In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Fuck it. Turn it up, the beat on my headphones. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. White boy summer. I met a bad little shorty on the powder dance. Getting to the bag like it was her only chance. Rich bitch. No, 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 them bands. Said fuck it, then she went and made her OnlyFans. Uh, hot boy. White boy summer. Got your favorite Instagram bitch. DM in her number. Woo. Hit the strip club of Mike Thunder. Woo. She let me beat it. I'm the white boy wonder. Uh, bad gal. White dandada. Woo. Rude boy, it's a white boy summer. Huh? Boop, boop. Bad gal, white dandada. Rude boy, it's a white boy summer. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. That was Chet Hanks, H A N X, with the song White Boy Summer. And I, as a white boy, want to apologize to everybody out there for Chet Hanks and for white boy summer i personally do not want a white boy summer i'm very good with never having a white boy summer ever again um chet hanks if you don't know is tom hanks's son uh but tom hanks spells his last name h-a-n-k-s and chet spells his name like i said h-a-n-x hey he's not forrest gump's son huh He's Chet Hanks, XXX. You guys, how is everybody doing? Are we ready to start this week again? Here we go on this roller coaster once again. We can do this, but I have got a great show for you to start the day with. No, for real. Um, Sophie Ross is back with us on Monday, and I got to tell you, I just have the best time talking to her. It really is not any sort of work at all. It is so, so fun talking to her, and we cover everything Today, we cover uh, Kourtney Kardashian giving Travis Barker's thumb a blowjob. We cover Summer House. We cover Bravo. We cover uh, Chet Hanks, White Boy Summer. We cover Jake Paul's fighting match. We cover so much today in these next two hours. Uh, I personally think this might be the best podcast that there's ever been. And not just of my show, of any podcast ever. That is a promise I make to you, okay? And if you do not like this, just write to me. It's, no, um, uh, I want to make sure you guys are good. I hope you had a good weekend. I, I'll share a little bit of personal stuff, which I'm very excited about. And this kind of ties in with, uh, I wanted to do a quick what to watch this week, because there are so many shows. There's almost too many shows to catch up, to keep up with. So I always I always like say, you know, anything that you say, anything that you see out there that you like, I always send myself a note to tape it on my DVR. So hopefully this might make you aware of some things. But I wanted to really quickly say that the 16th season of um, 
TBS's American Dad, the cartoon, is uh, is airing. Uh, when is that? It is airing on Monday, tomorrow at 10 p.m. on TBS. And the reason I bring that up, it's a cartoon. It's uh, Seth MacFarlane, but also uh, my best friend, Nick Wagner, uh, produces and writes on that show. And he has, I think, God, God, it's been like eight or nine years now. But more importantly is that I'm at Nick's house right now. Uh, I think I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast. Uh, his wife is pregnant and they are at the hospital right now giving birth to their daughter. And uh, I told Nick, I told Nick going in. First off, do not name your baby Cruz. You know, that's Jax's baby's name. That's, you know, he's got that. And also, don't try to be a number one dad straight out of the gate because Jax has that cover. Jax Taylor is the number one dad of all time. And for my buddy Nick to even think that he could even get anywhere near Jax, it's impossible. So I tried to alleviate that fear. And he was like, oh, my God, Ryan, who is Jax? And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Thank you. Uh, But how exciting is that? And plus, I'm house-sitting for their cats. Um, But you know what? It was one of those things where I was just so excited to be involved and to be asked to do anything. You know, I don't have kids, um, not that I know of. And... um, and I, I, I get to vicariously live through my friends and it's so crazy. Like we, we have known each other since college and he is just the best guy and she is the best girl. And I am just so over the moon. And it is one of those I've talked about on this podcast before that I was so upset with COVID because I, for the all intents and purposes, missed out on, you know, um, watching her go through her pregnancy and, uh, being able to keep, you know, inappropriately asking to touch her ba- to touch her belly. And I finally got to do it the other night. It was so exciting. Um, but it was one of those things the last couple of nights I've been able to see them. And I, I was just, I've been thrilled and I'm just so excited. I'm so, so excited. And I just wanted to remind people that there, there are these amazing things happening out there, not just on TV, but in our own lives. And sometimes, and I know this is impossible for me. So I'm, I'm saying this out loud to remind myself is to sometimes put down the phone and sometimes, uh, you know, put down the remote and, and look up and see what we have left. And we have so much good out there. We have so many friends, so many family, and we're, we're building these things again. And we're, we're seeing where our friends and family, where they are now after this year. And I got to tell you, I got a lot of hope. I've got a lot of hope right now. And, um, uh, oh yeah, but don't put down the podcast, listen to the podcast, put down the TV and the phone, the podcast you can keep listening to. Uh, but I just wanted to say, I hope everybody has something that they're really excited for like this. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I'm, uh, I'm cat sitting right now. So I feel like I'm a deep part of this baby making process. I feel like I'm the Jack's version of a cat sitter. Like I am the number one cat sitter of all time. I'm just going to say it. Jax has taught me to be a confident man. Um, okay, let's get into this interview real quick, though. Uh, what to watch this week? Uh, you know, of course, uh, this is Sunday right now. We had Real Housewives of Atlanta. The season finale next week is the reunion uh, next Sunday. I got to tell you, the season finale was kind of all over the place. Drew was still stuck in this, uh, not pastor, the prophet with LaToya, Toya's potentially hooking up with her profit that affected her baby christening or something. It, it, it's so hard this season to really super care on a 
on an episode to episode basis. High point of the season was Bolo and they had a lot of great um, episodes in between, but overall, I don't feel like a person like don't feel don't felt like it gelled. The cast didn't all gel gel. It seemed like a lot of and there were too many friends of like Toya was a friend of Marlo was a friend of, um, you know, uh, Shem- Shamia was a friend of too many friends of not enough housewives and not enough housewives that fully got together. So I think this was a building season, as I've said before. And I think Atlanta is a healthy franchise, I think, with a one or two small cast changes, this show will be back up and running as good as ever. And I, I don't know, I'm kind of a little worried about the reunion next week. But the good thing is, even if the reunion is so-so, we've got Re- uh, Real Housewives of New York and then Real Housewives of Beverly Hills both premiering in May. So, guys, we are about to have not a white boy summer, but an amazing summer. Uh, so really keep your eyes out on for all that. So Sunday night, of course, we have that and Married to Medicine. I'm a little behind on Married to Medicine, and I feel really weird about that. I, I feel like I should have kept up, and that uh, Married to Medicine is a new franchise for me, and I don't want to speak poorly of it because it is a great show, but once once you miss a couple episodes of a show, and especially if it's new, it's hard to go back. Do you know what I'm saying? Like in that moment, you're like, fuck, I've got three in my DVR and it's too much pressure, you know? Um, this week on Watch What Happens Live, we have Monday, uh, Below Deck Sailing Yacht will be airing another episode. And then on Watch What Happens Live, we have Danny Soras and Natasha DeBorg. She is the chef, both from Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Uh, that's on Monday. On Tuesday... We have, uh, on Watch What Happens Live, the one and only Chrissy Teigen. Uh, Me and Sophia, um, me and Sophia, me and Sophie talk about Chrissy Teigen um, on today's episode. She returned to Twitter this week after a couple weeks absence after she said she was retiring for good. Um, So Tuesday, uh, we also have uh, Real Housewives of Dallas, which I believe we are very close to wrapping up. And I got to say, did you guys hear what happened? I, I said this many times last week, and I know I did a recap with Kate Legeko of Dallas on the Patreon. If you are so inclined, go to uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good to listen to those. Um, but Carrie Brittingham had COVID, could not make it to the reunion, and allegedly was posting photos she somehow got home the next day and went out clubbing? There's no way this can be true. There's no way this can be true. I certainly hope that is not the case, but that is what I've seen a lot of on the old interweb. So that was very, very disappointing and just really solidifies the fact that Carrie is a uh, 50-year-old brat, uh, a 50-year-old bad person. I I really don't have any respect for that or her. Woo, I got harsh. (laughs) Well, welcome to Monday, folks. Well, that was a cup of coffee. Uh, Wednesday, we have Jackie Goldschneider from Real Housewives of New Jersey and Brad Goreski. Do you guys remember how Brad started? Do you remember uh, on uh, the Rachel Zoe Project, which I loved? Rachel Zoe Project doesn't get enough love, and it definitely should. Um, so that will be Wednesday, and Real Housewives of New Jersey airs on Wednesday as well. And then Thursday, you guys, we have the Summer House Season finale. I mentioned this on Friday, but when I watched Summer House on Thursday night, and at the very end they said, on the season finale, next week on the season finale of Summer House, my heart shat itself. It shat itself. It it literally broke apart and shat 
uh, a thousand little shits. And I was so, so sad because in my head, we had four or five more. I was emotionally prepared for four or five more episodes. And they they tricked us, you guys. They tricked us. They didn't – two episodes ago, they weren't like, you know, uh, we're, we're nearing the season, you know, or the penultimate episode. They didn't say anything like that. So I was not emotionally prepared to hear those words on the season finale of Summer House. But that is what it is. Uh, the season finale of Summer House is going to be this next Thursday. And then this Watch What Happens Live is going to be a great one. It's Sierra from Summer House, Lindsay Hubbard from Summer House, and Kyle Cook from Summer House. And I would imagine since Kyle's on it and he lives in the same place as Amanda Batula, his fiance, that she possibly will be on it as well. And then remember the Thursday after that, we had the Summer House Reunion, which we should get a preview for this week. So prepare for that. I hope it's not tomorrow morning early when I'm still sleeping. The East Coast people on Instagram get get those goodies before the uh, the West Coasters uh, because of our lackadaisical uh, lifestyle. So um, that is what to look out for on Bravo this week. And then a couple of other things to pay attention to. Um, I, I just uh, made a couple of notes of things that I found interesting. I find this cute. I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but E! True Hollywood Story is back. Uh, I used to love watching those back in the day. Tonight, Sunday, they had Brad Pitt, the E! True Hollywood Story of Brad Pitt. Um, so I'm sure you can get that on demand. Uh, there was a great Daily Mail article where it had Brad being wheeled out in a wheelchair with a face mask saying that he had dental surgery. And it that was pretty much the entire uh, – the information I just gave you was pretty much the entirety of the article. But I love the Daily Mail on just – I mean that could go anywhere. Like I said, I would love a three-part documentary on HBO Max about the Brad Pitt tooth article. Uh, I just – there's so much there. Uh, but also tonight, uh, VH1 – um, started the second season of their docu-series Couples Therapy. Oh, I'm sorry, that was on Showtime. That's on Showtime. Second season docu-series Couples Therapy. I've not watched the first season, but that actually does sound interesting to me. Um, Monday, we have the VH1 Couples Retreat, which is a new reality series, from, and some of the stars of Love and Hip Hop will be on that. That's at 9 p.m. Uh, Tuesday on Hulu, um, we have... Uh, a show called Sasquatch uh, about Bigfoot. Uh, that's on Hulu. And I thought that was funny because on Real Housewives of Dallas this week, um, a lot of the girls went to try to find Bigfoot. I shit you know, not, folks. That was an actual plot line for all those that are not keeping up with Dallas. And I commend you if you are not keeping up with Dallas. Also on Tuesday, we have the premiere of Deadliest Catch on A&E. That is season 17 of Deadliest Catch and Storage Wars. And that's the 13th season of Storage Wars. Where does the time go, folks? I shit you not, I used to watch Deadliest Catch religiously. I remember working all day, going to acting class, and then coming home. And it was when I had a TiVo, not a DVR, a TiVo, which by the way, TiVo should have sued DVRs because TiVo was the first person on the block, if you guys remember in terms of DVRs. And somewhere along the way, cable companies came out with the same product. And TiVo, I don't even, does TiVo even still exist? I mean, that just sucks for them. But uh, Deadliest Catch I would watch all the time, and I still to this day wonder how I would do on a crab fishing boat because these guys, how the show makes it seem like they're on, they're up for like 24 hours a day, and it's just grinding. It's just a grind. They always say it's a grind because they're just crab potting. They're setting the pots. 
for the crab, they're uh, then, then, then picking up the pots. And I always want to know, if you guys see the show, you know when they throw the hook to grab the pot. I would love to know. I think, and I'm not a confident man by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I could throw a crab fishing line. I think to get a pot. I think I could do it. It's very there's like a Batman skill in there somewhere. But I used to love that show. It, it really was a cool blend of crab fishing and uh, this kind of boat drama with like gruff men. It was really fascinating. I don't know. I don't know why I stopped watching it, but I I really someday. There, you know what? We gotta. They gotta have TiVo or DVRs in heaven. If we can, if we can assure ourselves that they have a DVR in heaven, I mean. It's not going to be scary at all to die. You'd be like, oh, cool. I can catch up on all my shows like immediately. That would be amazing. Um, also, this week we have a uh, my friend Megan sent this to me. I thought this was interesting. A reunion of ER, uh, the show ER, which I think we all uh, watched at some point. It probably had like 17 seasons. But the first season had George Clooney, Noah Wiley, Juliana Margulies, and Anthony Edwards. They will all be joining a cast reunion for a thing called Stars in the House. The reunion episode is set for Thursday, April 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, it's going to be on a YouTube series, and it's going to benefit the Actors Fund. But all of these people will be together for the first time, and I think that's really exciting. Uh, ER, if you guys don't know, really was a magical show and one of the first that really brought about the medical um, drama TV show, the gritty medical drama. Everybody copied ER after that. I mean, I guess you could say there was Saint Elsewhere in the 80s before that, but ER was where it really started and they brought the star power and it made stars out of George Clooney. I mean, he became a movie star after that. Noah Wiley, Juliana Margulies, who went on to do The Good Wife. It just was so, the casting on that was amazing. Now, fun fact, when I was in high school, I was in one episode of ER and I had, I was out on spring break and my my friend, rest in peace, uh, Dirk Kraft, was the uh, the assistant director that week on ER, and uh, that's how he helped me get this little part, uh, a co-star. But uh, man, I mean, I was in high school getting a part on ER. That was a dream come true. I have pictures with Noah and George and all this stuff. But I remember this is a little story that I still get blown away. Um, I was uh, by craft service where they set up all the free food and ER had good free food, you know, and uh, this girl walks in and it's Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz walks in and I knew her. She had not done there's something about Mary yet or the mask. Has she done the mask? She had done one film, but I knew her. I think it was an independent film, but I knew who she was. And I was like, whoa. And she asked, she goes, is George around? And I went and looked and George wasn't around. I said, oh, sorry. And she goes, can you tell him uh, Cameron Diaz says hi and that I'll be in Joel Schumacher's office? And me being a geek, I know exactly who Joel Schumacher is. Um, you know, he directed The Lost Boys. He directed Batman and Robin. He directed, I mean, so many uh, flatliners, directed so many interesting films. So she was having a meeting at Joel Schumacher's office. This is on the backstage of uh, Warner Brothers. And George, usually in between breaks on ER, he had like this basketball, like a just a basketball net set out uh, outside of the soundstage. And crew members and George would play. And even, you know, we got to play and stuff. Um, and he was just... 
just so nice. So when George did show up, I go, hey, hey, Mr. Clooney, um, Cameron Diaz is looking for you. You said, you, she, you know, she's at Joel Schumacher's office. And he goes, let's go get her. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, come with me. And we go into one of these little golf carts and we're driving around the Warner Brothers studio lot to Joel Schumacher's office. And she was in the meeting still and just said, oh, uh, just tell George said hi. And we came. And he was so nice. And I, you know, he was like, where, where are you coming from? Arizona. And and he was so cool. And I, I just remember him. I mean, really a magnetic personality. I remember him showing up on set and he just had that charming smile and you tell he would charm. Uh, he was just charming the pants on every uh, off of everyone. And I remember him trying to learn his doctor lines and he was just such a pro where he was just like, this is so hard, but he, but he made it look so easy. So anyways, I think that is so exciting. That's coming up on Tuesday on YouTube. Also, I wanted to, to point out that the Independent Film Awards on IFC, the 2021 Film Independent Spirits Award, will be on the Independent Film Channel, 7 p.m. Uh, and the reason this is special is that uh, Saturday Night Live's Melissa, Melissa Villasenor is hosting. Uh, and Melissa is... Uh, is one of my clients who I've coached on a bunch of acting roles throughout the years. And I just talked to her like a month or so ago. And and honestly, Melissa is one of the most talented people that I've ever met in my life. The impressions she can do will just leave you jaw dry. And Saturday Night Live hasn't even used like a tenth of her ability. So I am so excited that she is hosting this. I think she is a really, she's a huge talent. Uh, also, ladies, for all the guys out there, let them let them know that on HBO Max on Friday, the new Mortal Kombat action film is going to be debuting not only in movie theaters, which we can kind of go to now, but also on HBO Max for free. So if you have HBO Max, let your guy know, hey, hun, Mortal Kombat Friday night, do you want to date or will you let me go hang out with some girlfriends while you watch Mortal Kombat? So don't say I never did anything. Also, uh, on Friday, uh, all hail a new queen will be crowned as the reality competition RuPaul's Drag Race sashays away from its 13th season, 8 p.m. on VH1. Uh, so that is very exciting. Also on HBO, um, Friday night, 11 p.m., the second season of a Black Lady sketch show with uh, Issa Rae is going to be one of the guest stars, Gabriel Union, and uh, Ray Sani, who has been uh, on this show, I believe, uh, wrote uh, on this show and I believe might be acting a little bit on it, too. But that is a great week of TV ahead, folks, and I might be missing a couple things, so I'll fill those blanks in. As we uh, we go through the week. Okay, you guys, are you ready for Sophie Ross? I'm telling you, you are going to love this conversation. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for supporting me. We have some really great guests this week. We got one that I think is going to blow you off your or knock you back on your coal mining ass. I swear to God. Um, thank you. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Also, um, uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know this is so silly to even say. But I'm close to a thousand reviews. And when I started this, I was blown away when I got a hundred reviews. And I used to, and I know this is silly, and I don't mean this like in a uh, full of any of myself in any way, but I used to look at podcasts that got 500 reviews as like legendary. And the thought that I might even get to a thousand reviews, I'm 22 reviews away. 
I know it's silly. I know it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day, but for some reason, that number sticks with me. My birthday is next Sunday. If anybody is looking to get me anything, it is super free. Uh, If you like this podcast and you haven't, please rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That is just a humble ask. and, 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 And don't do the other thing where you just go and give it a one star review because you're like, ah, screw him for asking. Um, <laughs> and by the way, when you guys do your pod, I'll, I'll rate it five stars. I love all you guys. Okay. Guys, the woman, the myth, the legend, Sophie Ross. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your Monday. We have a full week ahead, so let's make the best of it. And I'm going to make the best of it by having my favorite guest, uh, my co-host, always on Mondays, uh, uh, the greatest writer, the best wit, uh, and and she's just an amazing person to boot. Uh, Sophie Ross, welcome back to the show. Oh my God, what an intro. I'm your favorite guest. Yeah, I mean, that's why I keep working. Yes, I mean, I, I get nervous that I'm not going to, I get nervous that you're going to quit at any time. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to try to impress Sophie each week before Sophie starts the Sophie podcast. Well, I mean, I'll give you your performance review um, at the end of the month. Well, speaking of that, can I speak to the HR department? Because there was a couple things mentioned last week about feet <laughs> that I was very uncomfortable with. And you oh guys listening at home, I do want to say, if if Sophie's mom and dad are listening right now, which I found out they did listen last week, I want to really apologize to you guys. There's no way you should ever hear anything. And I, I if I had known you guys were listening, I would never have asked anything in that. And what I'm going to ask of you, Sophie's parents, is please don't call my parents. <laughs> don't call my parents. My parents Look, do not listen. So I didn't even know that they listened until that moment. That's how I had to find out was that my parents were like, are you selling um, foot pictures on the internet? (laughs) You told us you were writing. (laughs) I never even had like a full conversation with my dad about it because it's, by the way, if you're my parents listening, please stop listening. This is your, because my mom was like, if you had just warned us in the podcast or like, if you would, I'm like, I didn't know I was supposed to directly address my parents in every podcast. I mean, I appreciate the download. So it's like a bittersweet thing where I'm like, I do want the download, but at the same time, I don't want, I mean, it's another thing where I was like, I wonder if Sophie can be open and honest. Um, you know, no, yeah. She's, she's this- cloistered away like a nun now. No, it was, it was sufficiently uncomfortable. Like my mom was like talking to me about it and she was like, you know, it, and get ready to cringe everyone who's listening oh, to this and no. who especially isn't my, like, I hope my, my <laughs> that isn't included, but anyway, my mom was like, yeah, so your dad said it was really uncomfortable for him oh. to listen to his daughter talk about being horny. No, I used that. I was the one that said the horny to begin with. I That's know you said it was your fault, but I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable. So like, I'm going to hang up now. And my mom was like, I'm really uncomfortable too. And oh then we just, <laughs> I've torn apart the Ross family. This no, it's not- fine. We haven't brought it up since I've talked to my dad, just like about work stuff, taxes. We will not talk about it to each other. We have not, it, we, it all went through my mom, by the way. KFC by the way, she cup. is, I want to, yeah, she is, she's holding a KFC cup 
which means she just got KFC and she gets McDonald's usually on Sundays, but KFC. And by the way, just so, yeah. So Mr. And Mrs. Ross, if you want to step out of the room, I'll give you five seconds to do that. Five, four, three, two, one. Sophie, did you have sex this week at all? Oh my God. No. (laughs) Let's see those feet. I know, I know my mom is just going to end up listening to all of this anyway, but the answer is no either way. Well, I think your I think your mom should be proud to not about the feet part, but about what a, what a smart lady you've turned into be just like, I'm sure Mrs. Ross, you know, thank you. Well, I was thinking, I was like, you know, I found a way to kind of finesse like easy money over the internet. Aren't you proud of me? Like I'm do your way. Do your parents know, do your parents know about like, uh, like when you, uh, cause a ruckus with like, uh, Kardashians or. Jimmy oh yeah. Allen. They know all of that because I end up like getting like, you know, like their fans will be like, you know, annoying to me. And then I'm like, oh my God, there are these like really mean people. Like I'll like complain to my parents about it. And they're just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why are you always getting into trouble? And then my dad has like Google, Google alerts for my name. Oh, that's and he'll amazing. be like, what did you tweet about Chloe Kardashian? Like he like gets the Google alerts when like my tweet is embedded in an article. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just gonna get worse for them at this point. Um, well, by the of, way, wait before we move on, yeah. that only happened once. Not that I, you know, feel any shame around it, but the foot picture thing. Before no, anyone, I, I do that as like an actual like career. I don't. Okay, it really so, isn't that much of a market for it as I thought because when we like fake advertise for it on Twitter. No one was interested. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, by the way, I did put a tweet that I was in charge. I would, you know, a manager for feet picks. I've gotten no DMs for Sophie's feet picks. And I had, I had set aside a bunch of fake feet picks to send to people just to give a little taste. I sent you know? hooves. I sent hooves one time. <laughs> yeah, that would be clove. Um, well, speak. Well, uh, first off, I, I had a note here to call you Sophie Pauline Ross. If you're ca- in case your parents were a uh, shout out to your middle name. Oh but yeah. I'll- also my dad was like, I knew he would say something. He was like, when you put your full name and your birthday on the internet, like someone's going to steal your identity. And I was like, it doesn't take that much. Think of all the celebrities with their full names and their full birthdays on the internet. Did you okay. explain uh, what doxing is to your parents? Well, like I, my dad is pretty like, you know, he's like a software guy. So he's like very, oh, okay. So he's, he like knows about technology and doxing and all of that, but like, he's like, so he tries to like confuse like social networks and put like different birthdays on stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't crazy. care. It doesn't take that long. It's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out from my Instagram when my birthday is. It is. I remember my birthday is next week. And I remember on Facebook, it used Wait, to- are you a Taurus? I am. Yeah. That is so surprising. But I, I like it. It makes sense. Okay. It kind of makes sense. Uh, see, this is what people do with this. This is, uh, this is my biggest pet peeve with astrology is that I just said that you're like, no. And then you're like, yeah, I no, can see let me it. Yes. Why. Let me explain why. It's because a Taurus is kind of known to be like a low key, like kind of introverted. And that's obviously not you. But then when I think <laughs> of the Tauruses, but then when I think of the Tauruses, I know that are like, you know, they're just like hilarious, like chill can like chill on the couch all day. Like, oh yeah, when this I shuts off, I don't talk. Like I, I That's exactly, very... exactly. So it took me a second, see, okay, so yes. <laughs> and I am stubborn. And if you if you cross me, I hold grudges. I do know that, that I've read as a tourist trait and I go, that is something that is me. 
Like yeah. I can't, you know, if you, if you, like, I, I will cut people off really quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, um, but I noticed on Facebook with birthdays, when you put your birthday, like at the height of Facebook for, you know, my age group, you'd be like, oh my God, 250 people wish me happy birthday today. And then you notice for your age group, it starts to dwindle where you're like, last year was like 150 this year. Will probably 150 be is a lot. I think I got like five on Facebook this year because I don't really, you don't like use Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. No, I mean, nobody does. I mean, just who uses fa- my parents use my mom is constantly spying on Facebook on like my friends or mm. she'll be like, Oh my God, did you see that amazing meal your friend Nick had the other day? And I'm like, no, but she pays attention to this stuff. Yeah. It's definitely like, um, you know, just a, a different age group than I think like my friends, like my friends just are not active on Facebook at all anymore. And, um, but I do think that people use Facebook a lot for like Facebook groups I just don't find myself, I join a lot of Facebook groups, but like I never find myself opening the app. So then I just like forget to check them. And it's just never like, I check like, you know, Twitter, Instagram, like Reddit. And that's like about it. Well, I go, cause I have this to-do list every day of like, brush your teeth, wish happy birthdays on Facebook. Like I, I, I try to do this list of things that I can click off. And I opened up Facebook the other day and literally it was somebody talking about a podcast I had done and it was like the first thing on and it is one of the most disconcerting, alarming things when you open it up and you see your, you know, you see your name and it's not something, you know, and you know, they're talking about me like I'm not there. And that was like yes. one of the creepiest things. And it reminds you like, that's why those Facebook groups sometimes really, they're amazing and they're, they serve a purpose, but they can be really scary mm-hmm. and I was thinking about in terms of summer house, in terms of Hannah and stuff is that I feel like we've successfully, successfully completed our job. I think Hannah is very disliked right now. Like, I feel like oh, you led the charge yeah. I've and Luke, his stock. Is I haven't rising. even like tried to leave. It's not like I've been on like a Hannah hate campaign. It's just literally me commenting on summer house. <laughs> and it's like, it, she's been the entire season and it hasn't been like a good thing. <laughs> Well, we're going to start with Summer House, and that's going to lead into our next topic because uh, the topic after this, I want to talk about Courtney and Travis, uh, Barker and Kardashian. But uh, th- I was thinking about earlier how the video that we saw today for Courtney's birthday of uh, sucking Travis's thumb really made me uncomfortable in the way that Hannah and Dez makes me uncomfortable. Uh, even this past week on Summer House, uh, and guys, if you don't like summer house, we're only going to talk for like five or 10 minutes about it. So, you know, another topic will be coming along soon, but they uh, once again, managed to, you know, where he's like, show me those, show me those boobs. Like you did in FaceTime. And I, I was like, they showed that. And then it showed him like sucking on them. Yes. And then it was, it was like constant. And I don't know what it is. Cause I was really sitting with myself and I was like, why doesn't it bother me when Lindsay and Stravi, like it makes me kind of because laugh when Lindsay not, and Stravi do it. Because they're not like that where they're like hanging on each other and like moaning and like making out. Like if anything, it's like a peck or like love you, like whatever it is, it's like couples do that. But the way that Hannah and Des were doing it was so immature and awkward where you're like making everyone uncomfortable. Well, and that's the whole kind of thing of the show was that, you know, towards the end, you guys, it was, you know, Des really didn't hang out with anybody in the house except for like boning Hannah in every room. And that got brought up and which, which then led to Hannah saying something that I was like gobsmacked about was two times. She said it on the beach to Luke. And then she said it to the girls of like, well, Luke's my ex-boyfriend. And I'm like, 
whoa, like we the delusion. I mean, but that's what I'm saying is that it, where and and does this this must happen a lot in everybody's lives is that we tell ourselves stories to make ourselves uh, to make up for how we feel. Like you know, we make it possible. Like she wants to be angry, and and so she'll paint the picture of Luke being her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, but it's just not the case. I mean, Luke might've been using her, might've led her on, but he was never her boyfriend. Yeah. It's like really delusional. And I, I, I can't tell if she actually like sincerely believes that in a way that she is like actually unwell or she's like actually just gaslighting the audience for her storyline because it's part of her like playing the victim and getting the empathy from the audience as being like, this is my ex. Can you imagine? Like, this is so awkward, like blah, blah, blah. Like my ex-boyfriend, he's jealous. So she's trying to like paint that picture for the audience, but we've watched it all. So like, we know that that's not the case, but like, it's just so wild how she like continues to like, gaslight everyone like the cast like the audience and I mean I'm super excited for the reunion like just in general and we'll have the reunion trailer in a week which I'm pumped about well did you uh did you also see that Hannah's Nana commented on Facebook and Instagram under posts about Hannah and her Nana her Nana said that Hannah has gotten the villain edit this season which I'm like to even explain to my grandma what a villain edit is, is just mind boggling. <laughs> but she said she had talked to Hannah. Hannah assured her this was all editing and bad and they made her look bad. And uh, the Nana, her Nana also said that Hannah told her that she held her own in the reunion and um, which will be interesting. And, and then another comment about the re- reunion was Danielle said, you know, all the people that were, friends going into it remain friends afterwards. And she named a bunch of names and the two names that weren't in there yeah. were Hannah and uh, Paige, I think. And Sierra, I think. And Sierra. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it really is a clear divide. There was one point in Summer House this week where they were all just like partying, having a blast outside at night, dancing around a table. And I've been at those, like where you just love all the people there. And then like, Hannah was inside with Dez. Sierra was like, but it's just funny. Sierra like, it's, was following it, Hannah around. Yeah, there's just yeah. a core group of people that really love each other. And, and we, and the people. fans love watching too. It's like, those are clearly like, you know, the core group that's going to stick around. Sierra and Hannah, like, just don't seem like a fit because they're not organically like friends with the rest of the cast. And I mean, Hannah obviously had a horrible season. It's not a fucking edit because if she didn't say those things and do those things, there would be nothing to edit. So that's like my biggest pet peeve when people blame, you know, it's one thing if like Sheena, like that producer came out and said they were trying to embarrass Sheena on purpose. Like you can tell when like producers are trying (laughs) to embarrass people when they, when they bring out the receipts and stuff. But like if you're oh, acting- Vanderpump Rules got so bad at it in this last season. They they lived yeah. for an editor troll of people's past. Yes, behavior. and I love it. But it's like no one is editing you. And now Hannah is saying that they didn't actually have sex in Amanda and Kyle's bathroom. She said that on Giggly Squad, I think. And it's like, well, what's worse? You pretending to have sex in the bathroom because you think it'll get you attention. And then when you saw that no one thought it was funny or cute that you like are backtracking now, like, I just don't understand like what she's going for. Well, the, the uh, and also I think she's lying. I think they did have sex in the bathroom because remember, I mean, and got, kick your kids out of the car if they're with you right now, folks listening, is that, you know, Des even said, 
move your move your swimsuit over, which would mean yes. either his mouth was going to be on it or his appendage was going to be on it. And then, I mean, so something happened in the bathroom and I was kind of disappointed that I thought somebody was going to tell Kyle this week and we were going to have an explosion. Well, it'll definitely happen at the reunion. So I think that's why I'm so excited to watch it. But yeah, and she was like, I mean, like Kyle gets pee all over his bathroom. So like, what's some ejaculate? And it's, it's like Kyle's bathroom. That? Yeah, it's his bathroom, first of all. Second of all, that's disgusting that you, if you think he has pee everywhere in his bathroom, that you were having sex there. Um, and also we know Kyle pees only outside. That's yes, all, we've seen that it like a billion times now. That too, but also like her calling it ejaculate, like she's so immature. Oh, but also like, why, if, if they didn't have sex there, then like, why did you say that? Like, she just is making herself look worse and worse with everything that she's doing. If she, you know, you know what, like, um, Bravo historian posted a Heather Dubrow quote the other day. If everyone's telling you you're dead, it's time to lie down. It's like, <laughs> if everyone is telling you something, including your friends, like it's time for you to just but accept. Uh, See, right, but he will not accept it. She will not just lie down, take accountability, apologize, be like, shit, I embarrassed myself this season. She's but like, that's no, Bravo. See, I feel like Bravo lebs never do that. And by the way, I think general public at But a lot of them do. Lie down. A like, lot of them do. Lie down? Who do you think I'm lies I'm rewatching um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills right now and Camille after the first season. Camille is like at the reunion after she saw how much hate she got on the, that very first season. She was like, you know, I can see how I came across and like, I, I want you guys to know I'm sorry. Like she took accountability. And then the second season, you know, she she was way better. Like I, I'm, I don't know. I feel like if you like are getting so much hate online, the normal thing that a lot of Bravo loves, some, you know, a lot of them will just be further, further inflammatory. But I feel like a lot of Bravo loves try to like get the public back on their side. And she's just like trying to be an asshole like over and over but again. We, I guess we will we will see next season how she comes at it because Hannah is, I think, smart enough because she does focus on t- like pat- joke patterns and taking other people's oh, joke patterns. But I feel like she will eventually, you will see that talking head on the first episode of Summer House next season if she stays of... Guys, I had a bad year, obviously, but I'm back and I'm ready. You know, like, I bet but we get that. she won't do that. But she, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, she would do herself a favor if she just, like, you know, it's like this season was not a good look for her, but, like, her off the show, she can control how she reacts now. She can't control what was filmed last summer. And it's, like, the way that she's acting now makes no sense. And also, um, her caption, she posted a picture of her and oh, Dev, and the yeah. caption was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. My illness is my mental illness is is that what it is? My anxiety is chronic, but my ass is iconic. And everyone's like, oh my God, caption. This is amazing. This is your housewives tagline. That's a meme that like a yeah, lot of it's everywhere. Have. Yeah. I mean, you just I mean, it is funny. I feel like eventually Instagram or Twitter, like you have to have some kind of standards of like where you tell that this is not somebody's original. You know work, what I decided? Know? Her no. fans, and okay, a lot of people might take offense to this. <laughs> Get ready, folks. But I think her, the people who find Hannah Burner funny 
and the people who find Chrissy Teigen funny. It's just a perfect circle. Well, I, by the way, Chrissy Teigen was a thing I needed to talk about because I, I wanted to know how happy you were that after a, a very large three and a half week absence, Chrissy Teigen got brave enough to come back to Twitter after she had so valiantly quit Twitter and said that she is choosing life over Twitter. And now she is back saying the good way outweighs the bad. And by the way, it only got like 110 thousand likes which is a lot but it's not insanely good i think people do get exhausted of the chrissy Teigen back and forth it's one of those things where it's like chrissy do what makes you happy but i don't need to be on in on why you leave and why you come back yeah that's what it is it's like she made some like you know huge announcement that she was leaving and it's because of the abuse and it became this whole like you know, internet did a people story. interview like she was quoted in People magazine about yes. it. Like it was a whole thing where, you know, you know, she was loving the attention and it didn't even last a month. And then she came back and she made it a whole thing where she was like silencing myself. Didn't feel, <laughs> And it's like, why are you like, just admit that you're just like, you know, addicted to social media like the rest of us. Don't make it this whole like virtuous, like, I don't know. I just thought it was so embarrassing. And I just, you know, at we we've talked about this before that I'm just not a Chrissy fan in general. And I just don't think she's funny. And I just, I don't think she's, but she's had moments where I've laughed, but you know what? I love when she cooks. I love, and I'm not trying to put her in a box, but I'm like, good for you. Like, that's awesome. It seems like you're doing really well with your, your cookbooks and your corning wear at target, whatever. Like, but the thing is when people want to have it all, it becomes a little girl bossy for me. Like we were talking about like Rachel Hollis last week, or to me, then Chrissy starts falling into that pattern of the fast fashion or this, or somebody that's really wanting to be everything and, and really can't, doesn't seem to have the emotional stability to be everything. Yeah. And I think, um, well, first of all, I heard that her, her target line, I think is just repurposed like old target products. So it, yeah, it's like, she's kind of just trying to be everywhere. Like she's super oversaturated. And I think like my issue with her and like Hannah Burner, which is why they, their fans and their people who think that they're funny remind me of each other. But I just think that she tries so hard. Like she tries so And she cares a lot, obviously, because that's why she- so much. And it's it's not like, it's not like, I don't know. I just don't think it's cool or endearing or funny. I'm just like, you try so hard. You can tell that you think you're so funny. Like, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem natural to me. Her comedic skills, I just don't think she's funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm offending anyone. I just don't think she's funny. Well, no, I mean, everybody can have their opinion and I think that's great. But speaking of embarrassing uh, public displays of affection, I really, on the first glance, thought somebody accidentally posted a photo of Courtney sucking Travis Barker's dick and it turns out it was his thumb. Um, There was a Courtney Kardashian celebrated her 42nd birthday this weekend. And Travis Barker is all in on Courtney. And like I've said every week, every day, almost, I do not care about them as a couple. I'm so sorry, not skinny, not fat. I'm so sorry. I just think we do not need to get this excited over two potentially boring people that wear leather. Um, But he posted this thing of this, this slideshow of Courtney And then the last one was Courtney like sucking Travis's thumb in a serious manner. And then she gave like a weird smile at the end. And I was like, this is called a private video. Mm -hmm. This is a private video between you two. 
What's that? Yeah, I thought that was so weird. And I thought it was like very like attention seeking. Like they knew that it was it was like a shock factor thing but that people would be like, whoa, because at first glance, it does look like she's like giving him a blowjob. Was Travis always like this or is this Courtney's influence or did Kris Jenner get involved somehow? It was like, we sure would love to see my daughter sucking your finger. Like that He's a would part get of a lot the Kardashian of machine well, now. I think he probably got an email from Kris Jenner, you know, at the beginning of the month being like the content plan. Yeah. Now that you're, yeah, yeah. you're on the payroll, this is your content plan. You need to- You got to step it up, bro. You got to yeah, step it up now. It got everyone talking that he it, like hosted this. I'm like, yep, they're at it again. But see, this is where I feel like starting to feel like Stepford Wives of that we just go for anything. Like, we'll just eat up anything. And there's no like, I mean, I would love more discourse about why we are loving them so much. Like, well, why- no, I think it's just we're bored. Like, of course, we're. It- Yes. Of course, we're going to be like, okay, wait, this is a weird video that looks like Courtney Kardashian is sucking his dick. Why would he post this? It's really embarrassing. Like, of course, we're going to like talk about it. Like, I don't. But it think also it's made me realize I wouldn't want to see that. Like, I wouldn't even like it in a yeah. pornographic sense. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh god, no. I know. Like, I felt was- kind of like like my eyes were like assaulted. I was well, like, I, didn't ask, no. I was scrolling through like the cute photos, and then I was like, whoa. Yeah, it was really a lot because there were cute photos and all of a sudden it ended with that. And and you guys can't see this because we're on Zoom, but I have stabbed my eyes out and I'm currently bleeding out of they both are. of my <laughs> ocular cavities. Um, so, uh, But then also he did this huge gardenia display in Courtney's house. Um, and <laughs> there's video of Kim, I think, saying like, uh, I've never seen anything like this before. This is amazing. But we know that that's a lie because we've seen multiple, multiple instances of Kanye West filling their house with roses. We've seen it with Travis Scott and Kylie doing the same thing. I mean, Kanye had fucking uh, uh, Kenny G there one time singing to her in their their. Imagine coming down, uh, waking up in the morning and Kenny G is saxophone. Like, I mean, I would. I oh, mean, yeah. And I remember that myself. Like, weren't there like candles? Yes. Everywhere? And it's like, how did he get <laughs> Oh, I mean, like, uh, how how hard does Kim Kardashian sleep, or is it just that the room that the mansion is so big that you cannot hear people fully setting up these displays? Um, but the Courtney Travis thing, I'm like, I'm happy for them, but I just don't get the hype, and I I just feel like, guys, let's just hold our love for this, and we're gonna find a couple that suits all of us here in a couple months. I bet you know. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're cute together. Like, I can see why yeah, people- Yeah, I don't like, dislike them. cute together because, you know, from all accounts, like, Travis Barker seems like a good guy, and that's not what we're used to with the Kardashians, like, dating histories. Um, but, like, you know, I don't I know. Think, I think I, also this gives- I think we kind of like it too, maybe because Courtney is always considered the less interesting one, um, looking or otherwise, and this kind of- gives her a little shot of adrenaline in terms of the attention economy yeah, Kim, Kim and Kim and Kim and even Chloe or Kylie usually date the the famous people Scott is famous for being on the Kardashians so he doesn't count and yeah. Scott must be a total fucking we've seen it all the yeah, pictures Courtney, Courtney's dating history, it's Scott. And then it's Yunus, that like yeah. male model guy. And neither of them were famous really before her. So the fact that she's dating another fellow celebrity, I feel like it's something that people were kind of waiting for for a while. Like, oh, Courtney should date so-and-so because, you know, she's always been in this like situationship with Scott. But, and I'm glad that she's not with Scott because I think her and Scott are toxic for each other. And Scott is a horrible person and like a 
child well, groomer, basically. He really is. He, I mean, I, I, there's no way around it. He really is not doing himself any favors. And I think he thought he was like, you know, playing the press to his advantage. And I don't think he's counted on how bad this actually looks. Like oh, it, it's God. really he's down bad. And he's like been down bad, like in terms of like me just being like, there is something deeply wrong with him. And you can tell that no matter how much money he has and no matter how much he might like pretend that he's like happy with his life choices. Like, I feel like he's just like a deeply unhappy person. Oh, every time I see a photo now of him with Amelia, I know he thinks he's looking cool. I think he looks so sad and he looks so lost. And it's one of those things that you realize as you get older, you guys, you, we all feel the same. We all still feel like we're that like 16 year old, which is that our bodies get old. And that's what I see with Scott of just like a really confused little dude in there. And he's like making some really bad decisions that I think are going to get worse as potentially this Courtney Travis relationship heats up because I mean, do we really want to see him and Amelia talk as a couple on any kind of show? Like if real housewives of Beverly Hills, which I want to get your opinion on that trailer you saw this week. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do we want to see them interact? Like, are, are, do you want to see how they talk with each other? No, I think it's like actually truly disturbing to me. Like it actually makes me uncomfortable because she is like, to me, she's a baby. Like she, if I like, you know, met a 19 year old girl right now, I'm 29. I would feel like an urge to protect that girl, you know, like that's a child kind of. And like, I just think of myself at 19. So it's just weird that there's no one. I mean, it's not weird because we know Lisa Rinna, but like, it's just, I wish there was someone there to protect her because I feel like you don't even realize how much this will like affect someone down the line. When you think of, you know, your, your, the relationship with Scott Disk at age 19, like this, it's just not normal. Like it's, it's just very, I think it's something that it'll affect her and people really aren't looking out for her. And it's like sad. Yeah. And tomorrow's episode, you guys, I already recorded it this weekend and a big part of it was talking about Randall Emmett and Hugh Hefner actually, which have a lot in common in the terms of how they were treating females for a time and that they, you know, use their wealth and potential fame and, and power to get women that were very young and that might not have known better. Like when you're a woman, maybe in your thirties, you know, you start to kind of see, you know, and maybe even much earlier than that. I can't really speak to that, but you know, they, they, they seem to have been picking women that were at a certain age where all of this pomp and circumstance worked because it was exciting to young women. It's like, wow, this, like, this must be, Amelia must be in like a pig and shit right now, uh, being able to walk around on Scott's arm in Miami. That's huge for her in her head. I should, I think. And then later it's going to affect her and this will affect her entire life and how she approaches men from that point on, I believe. Exactly. You're still so impressionable at that age, at age 19, like your brain, your frontal lobe, which I'm sure we've talked about, doesn't fully develop until you're 25. I love that fun fact because anyone younger than 25, it's like your brain isn't fully developed yet. Like, that's what I mean. It's like, I want to protect her. Like, I feel I, I, you know, as much as she's the engross on Instagram, like she's still a child to me. Like, it just, I don't know. It's like sad and fucked up. And I just like, do not think that Scott Disick, like, I don't understand how he's not like, quote unquote, canceled. Like, I think that he is equally like, you know, not well, when you give when you- to, like a lot of famous Hollywood predators, but he's like, 
you know, not a nice guy. When you give good soundbite, you that corrects a lot of things. And we're used to Scott Disick giving really kind of funny sound bites on keeping up with the Kardashians. And I think that gives him a pass in a lot of ways. And I know that sounds crazy, but I mean that. I mean, people think they know him or they're like, oh, he lost his parents. Oh, oh, he loves Courtney and he can't get Courtney. So I don't get, so since he can't get Courtney, we're supposed to be cool with him just dating a string of 19 year olds and like, oh, he's heartbroken. We put this narrative behind Scott Disick where he's heartbroken, which might be the narrative, but that's not, that's not any of these 19 year olds fault. And then if it isn't the narrative guys, he might just like to bang 19 year olds. Well, yeah. And I mean, look, I just, I'm, I understand that you have to take into context people's, you know, personal struggles with some of their choices. But at the same time, it's like a lot of people struggle with shit. Like a lot of people go through traumatic shit and you just cannot blame your behavior on that. Like, I think the behavior of, you know, dating 19 year olds one after one and clearly, you know, leaving on not good terms with them and probably fucking them up life. Like, I don't think that can be excused because of the shit that he's gone through because a lot of people go through shit and then they don't traumatize 19 year old girls. So yeah, it's like a lot of people do want to protect him because yes, we've watched him go through shit, but it's like so many people go through shit. It doesn't excuse anything. And I think when the show ends, like, I don't know, is he going to be involved with the Hulu deal? Like, I don't know how involved Scott will be with like that endeavor or like how he's going to like, I don't know. I got to tell you, Sophie, I hope the Hulu deal, they take a good year off and I know they won't. But like, I, I, I think I'm, and I know people listening go, then stop talking about them there. I, I watch the show still every week and recap it on Fridays. And it's so frustrating to watch where I'm like, this is nobody needs this. This is not in any, like, even with like reality shows on Bravo or something, there's still, whether it be darkly comedic or that you learn like on Tiffany moon on Dallas, you get to watch this kind of relationship with her mom play out. There are things that are of value. And I really don't know anything of value right now about the Kardashian show. When I watch it, it's all, it's all fake. It's all image. There's no heart there anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's why they lost their way. Like, and we talked about this last week. It's like, if they had just stuck to or gone back and adapted, like I get that shows need to adapt. And it's funny when you watch like old old um, seasons of Housewives, you're like, wow, it's changed so much just the format of the show. But like they're ad- adapting in the wrong ways. Like they've like evolved in the wrong ways. And like, I feel like they need to go back to like what made them so popular and likable because who knows, like their show would have lasted Forever. And I know it wasn't really their choice for the show to end. Like I, E E apparently couldn't pony up the amount of money they wanted because it just doesn't bring up, bring in the viewers that they used to. And it's like, and with, with, when you go to streaming, you're a part of a collective thing. So the cachet of having a Kardashians for Hulu in name only is worth it for them because that, that hits a pop culture reality show, uh, little, you know, hit on Hulu, which it doesn't have a very strong, uh, platform for right now. So it kind of does their deal, but it, it does their deal on a family that is on their way out in so many ways. So the Kardashians and Chris gets their money. Hulu gets what they need out of it. And, you know, it's just a small piece of what Hulu actually is. Whereas with E, that was the centerpiece of E or is the centerpiece of E now. It's not like the Bradshaw bunch is like taking over and, but E didn't have the money or want to pony it up. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens with E. And that tells you how irrelevant they are starting to become 
that even E who made the Kardashians their platform for like a, the center of their platform for like a decade are like, you're not worth this money. Like what the Kardashians brings in not that many viewers. Um, oh, the, the ratings have been cut in half almost every season. Yeah. This still is their, well, I believe their lowest rated season. And uh, which is, it's just wild. Yeah. And like, just to give I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know this. It's kind of common sense, but like, if people don't know this, it's like when you have low ratings, advertisers don't give a shit about advertising during, you know, this program. So that's why the Kardashians literally just don't make E that much money because when the ratings are low, you, you aren't bringing in ad dollars versus like the bachelor. Like that is an expensive ass time slot because you always know that there are going to be, you know, millions of viewers with the Kardashians. It's like, no one's really, you know, if anything, maybe people record on their DVR and then they fast forward through the commercials. No one is watching it live. I watch summer house live because that is how much I like, you know, get so excited for it. Like no one gets excited for But it is funny. Live. Even summer house is not getting great ratings, which really just shocks Wait, me. It's not. It is not. Yeah. That, I, I'm that's, shocked. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a shockingly low you. I think there's like a, a Twitter feed called like Bravo ratings or something. I, I sorry if I'm not getting that right, but they'll do the ratings and it it shot it bums me out because I'm like, you're getting Potomac fourth season ratings uh, when you should be getting Potomac fifth season ratings, you know? And I, <laughs> I, I, it bums me out because these things that I champion, I want to do well and I don't want them to be the independent film of reality shows where you have to talk somebody into watching like a Linklater movie or something. Oh, um, I do love... Um, Boyhood. That's my one. <laughs> yes, um, but that surprises me because I feel like Summer House this season, I had never noticed other people really tweeting about Summer House in seasons past. Like I felt like it wasn't like a thing, like live tweeting Summer House. And now it's like, it's like trending on Twitter once a week. Like so many people like are like into Summer House Twitter now where I feel like it, it that didn't happen before this season. So I, I yeah. would assume that the ratings are higher, but I guess not. Well, I think, you know, also, you know, the, the, when you get, I mean, you're right. They are passionate, loyal fans, small, but mighty. And, and I just, I will commit to trying to bring in more fans. Uh, but it is interesting, even like, cause I'll get comments of like, uh, I get a lot of, I don't watch Summer House. It's, a, you know, like. I don't watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, also I wanted to talk about Kim Kardashian. She was uh, photographed with Courtney for her 42nd birthday. She was also photographed next to a musical artist named Maluma. Uh, am I saying that correctly, Sophie? Is that, wait, is that on her Instagram? No, no. This was like a, a some other paparazzi photo, but it kind of, I think um, my friend Lex Nico put, put it on her stories and she was like, Ooh, I love, I love this. I love, and you do realize Kim is in the paparazzi photos, even, I don't know if she's trying to present this, but is looking very fun and happy and fresh faced. Her clothes are a little weird without Kanye, but I do, we have to mentally prepare ourselves for if you think Courtney's bad, what can Kim do? And the flip side of that is we got a press release or this week that uh, Kim and Kanye settled their parental dispute. They will each have uh, the kids uh, equal time, 50, 50. And then there was like a little thing pushed where Kanye is looking to date an artist in his next relationship. Like, am I, are we allowed? Like, I, like, can I just go like, I'm looking to date a pilot in my next relationship. Like you just like who you like. I mean, is that how, when you're rich, you're just like this one, I want an architect, you know? I'm just like, what? 
Yeah. Like I want to date an artist. Like, okay. I, well, I guess he was, maybe that was like a dig at Kim. I want to date someone who actually like, you know, like have some like creative talent yeah <laughs> so but no it is weird like we are going to potentially see kim kardashian date and we do yeah. we will see i mean if you look at travis barker it's the most i've seen travis barker in a decade i feel and what will happen with that relationship in terms of chris jenner getting involved how open will they be will kim be one of the smarter people to be like i don't want to share this at all i mean it just but that's the name of that family's game. Yeah, no, everything will be, you know, it'll be a whole like PR rollout, no matter who she dates next, which I would like to see her with like an athlete again. Like that's what I miss, like the early, like I would like to see her with an athlete. The Reggie Bush era, like that was like fun. And that's what it is. It's like the Kardashians gained me as a fan originally for being like, hilarious unintentionally you know just being funny on tv yeah. or even like, when, like remember when the when they all hit each other the sisters like they were all fighting like sisters and like hit each other yes and i can relate to that as someone who you know grew up with a sister and we would like hit each other all the time growing up like it was like funny relatable family and now it's like they just are soulless just cgi like humorless just caricatures of themselves now like I and, just that, and that's why since they are caricatures, th- that's why it matters when, you know, Chloe doesn't get her way with Photoshop is because that's what they've become. That's what they've turned into. And that's a hundred percent of their image. So that's why she does get so upset because it's all baked in there. You know, it, it, the, I mean, somebody's going to write one of the best dissertations on the, the Kardashians someday. Like it, it really, there's, it's just so far reaching and it really, that's why I say it's fascinating. It hits all pop culture avenues. And again, it's like a miscalculation on their part of like them thinking that that is what in 2021, like customers and fans, like potential consumers, like they think that that's what, what people want to see yeah. is like the airbrushed photoshopped, like super aspirational, like all of this. And it's like, if you do any like sort of, again, we talked about this last week, but like Mar- I work in marketing and branding, you have to pay attention to like, you know, trends and like what people want right now. And that is just not, it's just a miscalculation on their part. And I think it's so weird that like, again, like they just are not marketing geniuses because if they were, they would be adapting better to the times. And, you know, going back to what made them, you know, famous to begin with, which was being like relatable and funny. Well, we've talked about Kardashians, but now we need to move on to something that I'm sure Sophie is very happy about. Uh, Last night, um, Jake Paul beat Ben Askren in something called Triller Fight Club. Uh, This is the second win for Jake Paul in his, uh, and by the way, Jake Paul, for all of you who are asking, who is Jake Paul? God bless you. I wish I could not know who Jake Paul was, but he is a YouTuber that is now branching off into uh, fighting. And what I personally hate Jake Paul. What is oh, your thoughts on Jake Paul? He has like yeah. an open like sexual assault charge. But that's the him. thing. Like he literally, and he he made a comment about this. You know that this. You know, like by the way, the same thing is happening with like David Dob- Dobrik's Vlog Squad, where uh, what's the guy's name that supposedly Dirty uh, Dom? Dirty. Or yeah. By the way, if your nickname is Dirty, any if I was called Dirty Ryan and I was accused of like raping somebody, you tend to believe it because you're like, well, the guy's nickname is Dirty Ryan. You know. Dirty Ryan. By the way, please. By the way, please. I do not want that as a nickname. I'm just asking. Do not 
anybody address me as dirty Ryan, please. But if you do, it's just because I don't clean my room good, but it's like nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. I love that. But yeah, no, he's yeah. Jake Paul is the worst. And it's funny because Logan Paul seems to have gained some self-awareness over the years. And Logan Paul is still like, like 5% oh. of self. Not let's not right, even make right. him. I'm like, not going to give him any credit because yeah. he's still terrible. But like Jake Paul is just like a, an openly like horrible piece of shit who for some reason still has fans. But yeah, I like don't, I don't understand like this, like fighting culture will, where people spend like m- so much money just to watch this stupid fight. Oh, like, I saw so many people. It's so expensive. So many people on my Instagram stories were watching it. And I was like, this is wild. Like, because who cares? what's like these people, I don't, it's another thing where I, YouTube culture, I admit, I, I don't, don't get, I know that's my age, but I feel like it is one of those things that like we make stars out of these people and like they didn't have any discernible talent. And now they they're rich enough where they can start branching out and trying to do things that actual people train for like fighting. I mean, Jake Paul, he got like, we have shots of him crying after winning last night. Like, ah, it's like fucking the end of Rocky or something. And it's like, you, you beat a guy that's 12 years older than you, you know, like, and I wish, I mean, I had prayed to, I was like, dear baby Jesus, please let Jake Paul die tonight from like a hit. Like, I know enough to hate Jake Paul, but like, you do, didn't you even see like the feds uh, got into his place a year ago? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's wild that like he's still getting this platform where he can make so much money and they make so much money doing this stuff because the pay-per-view is so expensive and people pay for it. But like, it's how they got like Justin Bieber and like Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio. And like, obviously I didn't watch it, but like I heard that it seemed like the fight was rigged in Jake Paul's favor. So like, it's clear that they're trying to make Jake Paul into this like big boxing figure. And it's like, (laughs) out of all of the potential like boxing figures that we could prop up, like, why are you choosing this loser? Like, I just hate it. And I believe that like Jake Paul has been begging, I think Jake Paul has been begging Floyd Mayweather to fight him. And like offering him I would him actually love to person. see that. Oh, I, would watch, I, would I would pay to watch someone beat the fuck out of him. Like a Imagine professional. Imagine Jake like Paul good. dying in the ring. That would get because, me, that would get me over to YouTube. Well, because he, he, so far he hasn't fought anyone that good. He's fought like washed up people that like aren't that good. So if, he fought, so if he fought like one of the greatest, like Floyd Mayweather or whatever it is, like that would be fun to watch probably. So he could get like a little humbled. But it was funny because I, my cable like, I was having like cable and internet issues yesterday. So I like was on the phone with Spectrum and I was like on hold with like the robot lady, you know, which if I, if so, I told you the Sophie, story, you're calling again, please don't tweet about us. Please don't tweet about us. Yeah, that. So I had, I have another Spectrum story. She was like, so I was just on hold, like waiting for the Spectrum lady to put like a person on the line soon. She goes, Jake Paul, blah, 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 on demand. I was like, why is the Spectrum robot lady saying Jake Paul's name? <laughs> why do they program this lady? <laughs> think it- yeah. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. <laughs> Sophie, how are you enjoying new apartment? Um, okay, so that, that upset me. Like, you know, pop culture stories for me, and this is part of my love of pop culture, is seeing something that not only excites me, that's one thing. But then on the separate, the other hand, which is just as valid is I, I search out for things that make me angry. And that's like the Jake Paul really fits into that because I'm like, 
What and and by the way, this next story really fits in with that as well. And I have been irrationally angry about this man for years, but I I saw a string of posts in the last couple of days, and I think what really broke the floodgates for me was seeing a photo of Jax with his baby and captioning in it, baby's first episode of Friends. So if you guys are under a rock, Jax uh, birthed a baby out of his urethra this last couple of days. We have not seen Brittany since that first photo, I believe. So we have to assume that Jax gave birth. He is posing for highly staged photos with his son. Like we all see, this is what's cool. Like when we all knew this was exactly how it was going to be. And it's exactly how I thought it, it's exactly happening yeah. how I thought it would. He is such a narcissist. It's all, it's all about Jax. It's all about dad life. He's been using like that dad life hashtag since like Britney was six weeks in it. Like literally he's been calling himself a dad since before. So why I should bet, he care now, you fucking annoying ass bitch? I bet it'll come out that Jax uh, tried to trademark dad. You know, well, he's like, could I trademark that? I'm a dad. I'd love to trademark. But like, I, yeah, you feel bad for Britney also. Well, she like did her- this. I mean, she, no matter what you guys think of Britney or whatever, she did this. She carried this baby. She birthed this baby. Let Britney get the thirst post. Let Britney get the likes. Why is Jack, like Jax, you can literally hear the one wheel turning in his head going, this is getting me back on the map. This is getting me back on the map. This is getting me back on the map. And it's like, dude, I feel like fatherhood has proven over years and decades decades and like a a course of a life not the first three days of a baby's life like I don't see those and go all is well Jax all is forgiven you know yeah exactly but that's how he sees it because you know in a narcissist brain everything is black and white he's like well I'm a dad now I'm a saint (laughs) you aren't but it's funny because like if you go to Britney's page she hasn't posted anything since that first announcement post and Jax of course has been like you know doing the like thirst posts like with his, okay, I'm looking at his Instagram, with his, like, Gucci-looking, like, bag and, like, yeah. hair. Well, and, Shut up, Jack. But we realized, but the thing that realized, after I, I, I thought about it for, like, 30 minutes straight, I realized, who the fuck is taking those pictures? And then you realize it's Britney <laughs> taking those pictures where it's like, woman, after you're done breastfeeding my baby, you get a solid shot of me and this baby this time, you know? Look, sweetheart, you got to be the center of attention for nine months. Look. Yeah. Well, why don't you get on the Peloton? I'll take care of the kid. How about that? <laughs> and you're so perfect, Brittany. You know, that's I, like he's back to say. Like, yeah, no, I could perfect. get milk out of these breasts if I wanted. Um, yeah. I do find it. I mean, oh God, I just imagine I, I, I go to I, when commercial auditions are back in person, like commercial auditions right now, you guys are all over like Zoom, which is just wild. But when it's back in person, I, I just wonder if like, I wonder if Jackson and his son will audition for like Pampers commercials together and stuff, you know? That might be the next step. You know, they are going to like, and it's sad. Like, it makes me sad to say, but like, I think, you know, they're going to push any opportunity, like, you know, push crews to make the money at an early age, I'm sure, because they don't have the show. Like, they don't really have like endorsement deals anymore. Like, I don't know how the hell, and I mean, it makes sense after we heard about the tax issues. Well, I wanted to ask your opinion about this in terms of social media was that within two days of this baby's birth, we all of a sudden got posts from Brittany and Jax on their stories that Cruz, their child, had fake Instagram accounts created. And they were like, these are not sanctioned. This is not the official baby couchy. This is not, you know, which is wild. And then I was like, that is so weird that they're both making and they're like people just people are so disturbed out there. 
Because usually there's so many like Jack's accounts and all that stuff. You think, who gives a shit, right? But my theory is... No, it's not a theory. It's not a theory. It's a fact. Is that they made that fake, fake account... Yes. Because the picture posted on there was a picture of Sherry, Britney's mom, that hadn't been posted anywhere else before that. And well, I think somebody wrote in saying that the Sherry blue picture was posted mark. on Sherry's. What? Oh, they got the blue check mark? They got the blue check mark, I'm so pretty sure, because of that. So it worked. Like, that's what they were going for. I'm pretty sure. Wait, let me well, check. But, like, that's oh it, it's not a theory. Like, it's for sure. I'm like, there's no way. And they just wouldn't care that much if someone was making, like, a fake... Maybe like, I should create a Dirty Ryan Instagram account and say somebody else is posing as Dirty Ryan and I'm Dirty so Ryan. So you can get verified. Yeah, yeah, so I can get verified. I mean, honestly, you know what? I don't know, though, because it does sound really smart. And I don't think that they could come up with that. But then no, again- see, but I think this is where Jack's like not shines per se because he can't handle himself on social media. But I believe somebody recommended that to them. And he's like, you know what? I bet Randall recommended it to them or something stupid like that. Um, oh, you're right. That's, that's a good theory too. Which also leads to this next little bit is that over the weekend, we saw a couple of posts, one with Randall and Lala at a Sir restaurant enjoying dinner. Randall looks like completely lost. Randall just looks like he's like, I don't even know where I'm at. But uh, we, we've heard this rumor, but I can confirm that uh, Vanderpump Rules is coming back. Their first week will be the first week of May, and it will coincide, like I said on this podcast a month ago, and I'm not getting any credit, it will coincide with the grand reopening of Tom Tom. That is what the first episode of the uh, Vanderpump Rules season eight or nine will be. Um, so it is funny now to see all the cast coming back together. Charlie Burnett had her first night back at Sir last night. Waitressing Raquel is there. Uh, we saw DJ James Kennedy. Sandoval was there last night. Everybody's realigning. I mean, I had imagine they're like, okay, you guys, you got two weeks to like, uh, get some relationships going again. Um, <laughs> so, and then we saw another photo today on Lala's account where Lala showed herself breastfeeding and Randall was next to her in bed on his phone, not even looking at the camera. And she goes, I love everything here. I think the caption was, and I really in my head theorize, like if Randall is just like, fuck, fuck. Like I lost, you know, like Randall seems like a, you know, one of those dudes like Scott Disick where not that he was using Lala for sex. I believe he loves Lala, but I also believe he's one of those guys that says like stuff like I have needs. I'm a man, you know, yeah. make me a sandwich, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, toots while you're up, I'd love a uh, ham and cheese. Yeah. Um, but it is one of those things where Randall also, I have a feeling needs the exposure or the Vanderpump rules money because he is playing ball for him to go to sir last night while they're like a couple weeks into uh, you know, childbirth and for them to get all done up so they can pose for a picture on Sir's official Instagram. It's kind of weird. And you want to think you're like, Randall is playing ball to be on this season, I believe. So are they, or aren't they like, do we, they know? are, they are, they are for sure. hundred percent. That annoys me. Like, I don't want Lala hasn't even had like a storyline in the past like three seasons. We'll get ready like, to learn how to breastfeed this season. That's yeah, what it's like, I be. don't want to. I would watch Sheena because at least with Sheena, we like, you know, got to know her fertility journey and like her whole like journey with just having kids in general and like, you know, Madison Marie Parks Valletta. Like, 
I just, Lala even admitted that she only had a baby to keep up with the Joneses because Stassi got pregnant. Like, oh my God. I, I will I say, Marisa Lopez, who does all the amazing graphics for this podcast, keeps sending me pictures of Lala's baby because she's like, this is the most beautiful baby of all the Vanderpump really? Rules babies so far. We haven't seen Gina. It really is. I can see exactly what Wait, she's saying. It's a Oh yeah, Sheena baby. gave birth, duh. And, you know, it's so exciting because this baby has a chin unlike Randall. So that's huge. That is huge. That is huge. You Lala really want was, your child to have a, a, a chin. Lala was like really, really gorgeous on, yeah. on the, her first season before all the fillers. Like she was like very <laughs> striking. Somebody sent, uh, Lala posted a picture the other, a couple weeks ago or something. And it just looked so shocking. I think it was the one after childbirth and somebody sent me like a meme saying, uh, this is what you look like when you wake up after taking a 1500 milligram, uh, edible. Cause it was just that like, cause the plastic, not the plastic surgery, but all the filler and stuff. She, I met Lala in person once she was in a documentary I did and she was, this was like the second season of Vanderpump rules. And she, she was like, arguably one of the prettiest girls I'd ever seen in my life. Like I'm not into Lala in that way, but she was so stunning in person. And then you see her now and I'm like, it's just not this. It's like, it's like when the, the plastic surgery takes over, you know, it becomes more about the work done than what they started with. Well, yeah, it's you're taking away like the features that made you unique and beautiful and striking to begin with. And now your face just looks like, you know, every other girl in L.A. who went a little too heavy on the fillers. It's like the Kardashians. I feel like like Kim was so striking, like she was so beautiful. And now it's like she kind of just looks like everyone else. Like, there's. But are you getting confused now when you see pictures of the Kardashians where I really do get, I'm like, wait, is that Kylie? I'm like, no, that's they're Kim. All morphing. No, like they're, it is. All, they're all morphing. And, and I'm not even just saying that to be like, haha, funny. I'm like, no, like they actually are all slowly, like even Kendall, she was like, you know, the tall, skinny one. They're now, building she, an army, Sophie. They're building an army. No, she has, she has like a boob job now. She has like the hip fillers. She has like the hourglass. It's like, now they're all making it. So they have the exact same body type. And I'm like, but it was so interesting before that you guys were all so different and unique. It's like, I just, yeah, not to go back um, to the Kardashians. Cause I'm no, no, no. Cause I'm, I'm going to switch it right here. Is that speaking of fillers and all this stuff was that I uh, finished finally watching the Demi Lovato four part YouTube documentary, dancing with the devil. And Christina Aguilera was one of the talking heads in the final episode alongside Elton John and Will Ferrell, weirdly enough. And I was shocked about the amount of work Christina Aguilera had in terms of fillers. And I was like, oh, this reminds me of a Kardashian face. But more importantly, that leads me to Demi Lovato, which uh, breaking news. I saw this on Sophie's uh, Instagram is that uh, Demi Moore is in a versus like a hot and heated uh, battle with a Froyo place. Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato is in a Demi Moore. Oh, sorry. No, Demi Moore <laughs> loves Froyo. Demi. No, no, no. Demi Lovato. Uh, the the right Demi is in a, a war with a, a Froyo place because she went into a Froyo place and saw that they had sugar-free toppings and all of this stuff. And she felt attacked and felt this was diet culture at its worst. And and you even pointed, you were like, girl, like, what did you say? Like, girl, sit down or something? No, I was just like, imagine thinking the world revolves around you that much because she went really scorched earth. She like called them out. And, so, and this is like what I assume is a small business. I'm not familiar with it, but like, I'm sure it's a small business that, it's you know, pink berry or something, you know? Yeah. It's not like a cha- she's like attacking the small business because they carry options 
for people that like, you know, have dietary restrictions, like I have a ton of diabetics in my family, having sugar-free options is like extremely important. Like, like celiacs, like vegans, like people have different dietary restrictions. So like to label things sugar-free and her fans are so insane and going insane, defending her on Twitter. And they're showing the screenshot of like that yogurt place being like guilt free. Like it's talking about something that was sugar free or I don't even know what it is. They labeled something as guilt free, which is, you know, problematic language in 2021. The screenshot was from 2016. So you are going to terrorize this. And it wasn't even what Demi Lovato was addressing. She was just trying to cancel them for having options that don't cater to her specific needs. Well, and that's, and watching the documentary by the fourth part, it's like weird for a documentary, which I was like on board with. I listened to her new album, as you guys know, I've really tried to like get on board with with the story, but by the fourth part, it's a weird thing when you start to go, Oh, she's, she's not going to do well. You know, like, I hate to say this is that I do believe there will be, I don't know about an OD or something, but then even what reading that Froyo comment, I was like, girl, this is the time to focus on you. Like, you know, also when I go to a, I don't know, say fucking Buca de Beppo, I know what I'm going into. And if they give me a dietary option, I'll be like, oh, that's cute. I'm not going to have that. I'm going to have the fucking big plate of lasagna in Dorit's room. Like it's, you know, the fact that you need to call it, you know, your fan base, you know, you're famous. Why would you do this to a small business? And also the fact that just grow the fuck up and don't eat it. Get your right, shit and exactly. get out. Like why you the fuck? Can't- you just can't, I know it makes me mad too, especially how her fans, a lot of her fans were like saying really nasty shit to me just for saying that one comment, like anti-Semitic Somebody shit. said a Jewish thing, put a Jewish yeah. nose or something it like was, that. And actually that account, I think so many of my followers reported it, that like that account I think is like gone right now. So like, that was nice. But like, I'm like, oh my God, like you just cannot think that the entire world revolves around you. Like, it's just not, they're just, that is never how it's going to work. Yes, in a perfect world and her fans are like, well, like you don't know what it's like with an eating disorder. I'm like, oh, I have struggled with my own fair share of eating issues. Like, oh, I I I deal with eating issues too. Like, I mean, I, but also I know at the end of the day, that's Demi's issue. That's Demi's like thing that she has to deal with and people are allowed to sell what they want. Like you just don't, you know, there's power in the almighty dollar. Don't spend it. You just can't expect the entire world to bend to your whim. It's just not realistic. Like when people complain about just like, just certain things like getting like, you know, Like I get like trigger warnings and I use them all the time. Like I understand eating trigger warnings, but when it comes to like sugar-free label, it's like, you can't avoid that. You can't get every grocery store to stop labeling things as sugar-free because it triggers you. It's just not realistic. And I think that the issue that I have with Demi, besides the fact that she's just exhausting sounding, is that she just has such a victim complex where it's like, oh my God, you're victimized because they have sugar. It's like, why, why are you living life like that? And I know it's like, she's had a very tough, she's battled, had her fair share of, you know, personal battles, but it's like, you cannot go through life always thinking that everyone is out to get you and out to trigger you and out to like victimize you. It's just like not a healthy way to go through life. But also watching the documentary, I was um, not taken aback, but I was aware of the fact that all of the people around her, there is this uh, echo chamber of yes, 
of like, you're right, Demi. Oh my God. Yes. That's the smartest thing in the room. Oh yes. Like she, even you guys has a room in her house called like the mushroom room or something. And it has like the trippiest art installation, which by the way, made me actually want to do mushrooms in the room of like this cool thing you would look up that lights up in different colors and all these weird chairs. And she's in there with one of her like AA sponsors and, and the AA sponsors like, yeah, but you like don't have to do mushrooms in here. And she's like, and Demi's like, yeah, no, it's just the vibe. It's just this, you know, it makes you like you're, you're, and I'm just like, you, I think she needs to be upset at things like yogurt shops to almost keep her balance with probably the really horrible struggles that go on within her, which is very real. I just think then uh, placating those emotions onto smaller businesses and things like that is such a dangerous way and is going to eventually lead down a bad path because I know she has insanely amazing fans that love her, I guess. Oh, but- no, fuck her fans. The way, that her <laughs> fans. the way that her fans were speaking to me and, you know, the, the shit that they were saying just for me, like being like the world doesn't revolve around you, Demi. Like, so which is not, really like, light, which is a very light comment. Exactly. It's like the Jimmy Fallon thing. Like, it makes me just want to, like, avoid her, like, work even further now. Because I'm like, you, if you attract a toxic fan base like this, I always say there's a connection there. If you, if there's a toxic fan base, you have attracted that fan base for a reason. Like, please, I want nothing to do with that. I want no part of it. I want nothing to do with Demi Lovato. I am so tired of hearing about her. She sounds exhausting. Bye. What's up with pop stars having some of the most insane, passionate fan bases? I think on the positive, you get like Taylor Swift, even they can get intense, but I think they've done a lot of good things and Taylor throws them a lot of bones and puts a lot of work into keeping her fan base with like Easter eggs and stuff like that. But you have like Demi Lovato, Justin Bieber, BTS. You have all of these people that have these passionate fan bases that they usually turn into some kind of army formation and they will to attack people that ever criticize anything that they've ever done, which if you know art, like usually art isn't created in this vacuum. Like art, a part of art is commenting on art. A part of that is, you know, unfortunately, you know, having a critical eye placed on your art. And if you're going to live in the public eye, that becomes a part of your art in pop culture, you know? And so this is becoming a part of Demi's story and is overshadowing an ad- an, an album that is less than three weeks old. Um, the, you guys- the, I didn't I, even know, I didn't even know she dropped an album. Yeah. That's so how she, little I care about Demi Lovato. Well, and the interesting thing, so it's called Dancing with the Devil, The Art of Starting Over, very long title. It bowed at number two- with 68,600 album units sold, which isn't that great, you guys. And it was, but it was not too far behind from Justin Bieber's surprise album, which sold 69,800 copies. So um, this article, you know, so she got number two, which is funny that Justin Bieber did a surprise EP on the same week of Demi Lovato, seeing that Scooter Braun represents both of them. But the other thing that this article made the, uh, the case of that, you know, Justin Bieber, his sales are dwindling, uh, but not as rapidly as Demi Lovato. I mean, the, in terms of like the industry without touring, uh, physical copies of albums don't really mean anything anymore. It's not like the old days with the top 10 um, albums, you know? Yeah, but you still need to have what this, what the secret I think is, and this is someone I'm talking as someone with no authority in the music industry and I like know nothing, but I feel like you have to have like really good singles 
Like that's how like Lil Nas X, like call me by your name. Like I am pumped for like the rest of whatever he's going to release because that song is so good and so catchy. So it's like in the music video, like so great. Like you have to have like a good single. Otherwise, like why? Like Olivia Rodrigo, Driver's License. Like now her album is like killing it, I guess. Like, well, yeah, I mean, her album is going to come out. And they even mentioned in this article that Olivia Rodrigo, her second single, um, Deja Vu uh, is not the immediate monster smash that Driver's License was, but it still uh, debuted huge at number three, reeling in 17.3 million streams in its first week. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, if they were releasing like actual, just like good singles, I think that would really, really, really help. But like, I don't even, I haven't listened to, I haven't heard, I haven't listened to Justin Bieber's album, like any songs from this album. I haven't listened or heard from Demi Lovato's, like even like Against My Will, you know, with like a really, really, really good single, like everyone is telling you to listen to it. Like this hasn't even come across my feed. Like, yeah. I mean, Little Nas X, I think is somebody really to uh, watch as he has been since he showed up on the scene with the the roadie, the little cowboy song, the little cowboy song. <laughs> with the but Montero, Montero, it really, he, he kind of knows what it's, he he he's somebody that seems like he studied the pop culture landscape with that. No, he was a barb. He was like a diehard Nicki Minaj. Yeah, you, I think you were the one that first told me that. And yeah. like I was blown, and it, it makes so much sense because he really knows like the part of the Montero that's amazing to me is not just the song, but the video he knew would cause a controversy and to be in these people's mouths. It might like, you know, like, Oh, like it's doing what it's, you know, it's putting it so in the public consciousness that it, the good outweighs the bad of upsetting like the religious right or things like this. And he knows like, you know, lap dancing for the devil, you know, right there, you got the devil right there. You get homosexuality. If you put those two together, you're whipping up such a firestorm against you. But then on the other side, it whips up a firestorm of people that are like, no, this is good. And no, he's really amazing for doing something that's artistic, but also kind of like poking fun at uptight people. Yeah, exactly. Like he knows how it works. He's smart. He like, is actually one of, I decided that the only celebrities that are good at social media are Lil Nas X and John Mayer. Like from what I, from who I follow, <laughs> like the only people that actually, the only celebrities that actually make me laugh. John like Mayer makes, makes I, I I hate to say it. John Mayer really makes John me laugh. Mayer is hilarious. I don't want to laugh. He's, I, but the Jessica Simpson book I talked about this last week really was another chink in the I, armor for John Mayer where I he, still haven't read it. I need to read it because everyone tells me it's amazing. I it, is, it really it. is. And I really enjoy, I listened to the audiobook. I really, really liked it. And I don't even, I don't even know why I did it. I just, because I know all the, all the people that I mess around with listened or, or read it, but John Mayer comes off like, like an, an average dude that like plays mind games with women and really seemed to really do a number on Jessica Simpson, which when you are that smart and that witty, and then you see something like it makes sense for the psychology of somebody that potentially grew up nerdy, but really good at their craft and then got hot as they got older, but also celebrated not just for music, but also being told you're as funny as, you know, you're up there with Dave Chappelle. Like Dave Chappelle wants a tour with John Mayer. Like they did a co-headlining tour for a while. You're celebrated by pretty much everybody. You're going to look at a blonde bombshell like Jessica Simpson was at the time going like, yeah, I want that. I want to I want to sleep with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean for sure it it definitely makes sense that someone that we know is smart, John Mayer is clearly very smart. 
Um, in my mind, I think that, you know, when you're like super, super hilarious and witty and really good at social media, I think there's some intelligence behind it, but it makes sense. God, that would be able to God Sophie, just say my name. My God, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's both of us. Let's be real. No, I'm kidding. But like, no, I just, yeah. I mean, I think also to be fair, that when Taylor Swift's fans were all attacking him for like the stuff that he pulled with Taylor, I think a lot of people had to kind of like, okay, let's take in when, you know, we're talking about stand culture. It's like, let's take a step back. Let's think about, you know, this was like a decade ago or however long it was, which doesn't make okay. But it's like, you know, from Taylor, I haven't read Jessica's book, so I really can't speak on like what happened, but it's like, if he was like an emotionally like, like abusive or manipulative piece of shit, like that's awful. Um, at the same time, it's like, how can we expect, like, to, if your Taylor Swift stands just in his comments section berating him for how he may or may not have treated Taylor Swift 10 years ago, it's like, what does that accomplish exactly? So, like, I don't know. For me, it's like John Mayer to me right now, just in the present day, seems relatively unproblematic. But, like, I can understand, you know, a lot of people, like, dislike him. But as a I lot will of say, also, he gave up... He gave up drinking. He gave up uh, drugs. He's, you know, yes. so the, he has done a couple of things that I feel like, you know, the Jessica Simpson, I believe, was 10 to 12 years ago. Uh, that is the thing that we do have to keep remembering is that people do change. And it looks like John Mayer tried to change for the better. So, I mean, who is to say? Uh, but speaking of Taylor Swift, right. I did. I did want to mention. Sorry, wait, one last yeah, yeah. thing. Sorry, hold that thought. But that's like when we talk about cancel culture. That's an example of someone who, if he, if he had continued this behavior until the present day and kept, you know, like Scott Disick, like, you know, grooming women, like that'd be one thing, but it's like, you know, we have to give people second chances. If we're going to say, you know, cancel culture, this, it's like, no, this is an example of someone who, you know, would be canceled if they hadn't kind of adapted with their, and gotten better with their behavior. So yeah, he's my Twitter cover photo. He has been since 2012. And unless he does something really, 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 I mean, he, you know, you know how I am about calling people out. If he does something problematic. Oh I'm yeah. Not you're on the case. Call him it's out. it's yeah. over for John Mayer. Um, but you did mention Taylor Swift and I wanted to quick, quickly mention that her re-release of fearless, uh, hit the top of the charts, uh, for a re-release more than 12 years after Taylor Swift notched her first number one album. She went number one again with fearless Taylor's version. Uh, this, uh, is her ninth number one album and scores the biggest week of 2021 for any album. It launches with 291,000, uh, album units. That's not streaming. That's just album units, which if you pay attention, that is uh, five times Demi Lovato's first week numbers. I found that interesting. And uh, Taylor Swift is already hard at work on the next re-release. We It might be 1989. I'm hearing that there's clues of that album. My favorite, um, my favorite album of Taylor's. But I got to say, here's another person like Little Nas X, not exactly like Little Nas X, but somebody that I feel like, damn, that's a good pop star. That is somebody that is putting the work in and making interesting business decisions and treating it uh, like a... 360 experience where I don't know, like, I feel like she's done everything right to the point where that's her only weakness is that she's done everything right. And people use that against her a lot. Yeah. She gets it. Like she gets it. And I feel like something that she is really, yeah, you can't, you can't hate on Taylor's work ethic. You can't hate on her talent for like, at least songwriting. You might not think that she is like Mariah Carey's pipes, but like, she's a great, great songwriter. Um, 
So yeah, it's like, you can't, you can't hate on that. She's just like good at what she does. And that's why she's the best. Um, there was something else I was going to say. Oh my God. My ADD, my ADD brain. Um, wait, <laughs> I was, I've been listening to it. I've been listening to it like for the past week. Um, Oh my God. I completely forgot what I was going to well, say. Well, I mean, I know she wrote that about Joe Jonas and that got brought back into the the conversation. Oh, yeah. Is there any, since you have watched it, do you want to uh, call out your boyfriend from 15 years ago on the podcast and we can bring it's him back? It's so into the mix? funny you say that because like <laughs> I used to listen to the way, so the way I loved you is like my favorite song from that album. And I, that was the song that I tweeted the other day. And you're like, is this about your mover? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. It was like, <laughs> but anyway, like I love that song. But I remember being in high school and I was like choosing between like, you know, my bowling alley boyfriend and like this guy that was on the football team. And I like thought that song was literally about. And now when I listen to it, I'm like, I'm thinking of. I'm not going to say their names, but like the two boys. <laughs> to, 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 <laughs> have, to have access to Sophie's journals from that time period really would be an amazing. I really think it would be something really special in there. Thank God I'm, social media, like Twitter and Instagram. Oh, <laughs> I thank God ever, I would have written so many bad poems on and just put them up on Facebook. Like I know exactly what I would have done. And I'm so thankful that, that what? I remember what I was going to say about Taylor. Okay. Sorry. No, my please. Mind, the way my mind works. I was just going to say that I think what she does is she does a really, really, really good job of fostering her relationships with her fans. Like she like is super like she, you know how she like has her fans over like to her house and stuff. Like she like does listening parties or whatever it is. Like she like completely like really cares about her fans. What I think is like, that is so, so important and valuable to like have that like very close relationship. And like, that's what she's another thing she's really yeah. good at. But anyway, no, I'm, I'm very, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Taylor Swift. So, um, I do want to talk about a couple of other things. Uh, the, oh, this is another thing. And I know you have always been attracted to this guy as well. Like John Mayer, Prince Philip passed away this week. Um, and we had a funeral of Prince Philip and I, I was, my heart goes out to Sophie and, uh, Prince Philip's other fans. He did live a, a young life hot till the very end. And we got to see, did you watch any of the funeral, Sophie? I didn't. I, oh, you didn't I, wake up at 8.30 I in the was morning too, to watch it? I was too emotional. Oh, sure. I mean, when you lose the love of your life like that. Nobody, I mean, only there is the an emotional aspect. <laughs> the only good thing, of, well, no, the only good thing, the, the sad thing about it was, it's like a weird thing because you see the queen sitting there by herself and you think about this long passage of time, but then you also realize this was her cousin. So it hits doubly hard. Um, but, <laughs> and the other thing is, you, you know, in terms of a soap opera, we get this fascinating thing where we see Harry having to fly back from, uh, you know, California and stand with his brother, who we potentially know there is an issue because of the Oprah interview. And so that is, like I'm starting you guys, you guys have seen my Royals fascination is just, it's like, a, it's like a baby boy, like Jax's baby cruise boy where it's growing. Cause that actually made me interested where I was like, what the fuck are they saying to each other? Like they it's acquired. Yeah. Now you're like into it now that I'm like, I'm tentatively taking my first steps because they made a point. I was watching CBS Sunday morning as I do. And they said they went in far apart from each other on the processional walk. And then afterwards they got closer together on the walk. And I thought that was, I loved 
I loved somebody um, giving that play-by-play. I love that that's somebody's job of like, they are closer after the funeral. The Prince Philip did bring them together once again because they were also flashing back. I know a lot of listeners love uh, Lady Di, Princess Diana. At Princess Diana's funeral, Prince Philip uh, walked with um, Harry and um, who's the other? Uh, and William. Well, Harry and William. Prince Philip told the boys when they were very young that he would walk with them to give them strength. So the online, the the, the commentators on this said, you know, once again, Prince Philip brings the boys together. You know, you don't buy it. I mean, like, yeah, I, I understand you know when you look at that picture of queen elizabeth sitting it's like yeah it's like a long life together like it's it's sad but yeah at the same time it's like just royalists in general people that worship the royal family i'm like come on (laughs) and i'm not even i'm not gonna get into like you know all of the all of the problematic and like you know racist imperialist like policies that you know prince philip was a part of during his life um you know i I, i'm pretty sure there was some good stuff too um you know i had some family members some of my older family members send me like oh did you know he saved jews during the holocaust like does that make up for you know the other shit that he's done i don't know it's like you know everyone's legacy is complicated when it comes to a lot of these royals i'm sure he did some good stuff but overall it's like you know the royal family to me it's like abolish it well i just like on twitter though he's basically known for looking dead while alive i mean that's how twitter is brutal with oh prince my God. Philip. you know I like they really the they were so and everyone knew twitter was going to have a field day <laughs> it's and, so and sad. Did not, it's it, so it, sad when twitter gets bonded together because some old guy died and they're like yes you know, like he's he was 99. Oh God. I mean, he looked like he was dead 10 years ago. You know, I know. And he looked like he was like 199. Like he was not looking great. He wasn't, he wasn't a young looking 99. Let's just put it that way. Like up until two years ago, he was still driving you guys. And in fact, he got into a car accident a couple of years ago. And I was like, yeah, my grandma's 97. She's not even allowed outside. Like this is crazy. Wasn't it like a bad car accident too? Yeah. One got hurt. Did yeah. someone die or just someone? No, died? I don't think somebody died. That's with okay, Caitlyn that Jen- Jenner like, killed somebody in a car accident. Yes, that was Caitlyn. Yeah, Jenner. baby, you're dead. Sorry. So, oh my god! <laughs> Every time you break out the Caitlyn Jenner voice, I like die. Shelby, it's me, Caitlyn. You look pretty today. Woo! It sounds like the grandpa and um Family Guy. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know. But anyway, um. Um, oh my God. I, oh yeah. So Prince Philip's car accident. It's like, yeah. Why was he driving to begin with when he was like, literally like looked like the crypt keeper? Yeah. I mean, no offense. Yeah, it's like, no, the crypt, the crypt keeper is like, how dare you? Yeah. The crypt keeper listening to this. <laughs> yeah. See how I get brought into this. <laughs> yeah. Where the, I'm Maybe. sitting here listening to my favorite podcast and all this amazing <laughs> crypt keeper. And that's like fucking me. And it took me right out of it. Uh, I should have listened to the daily Jesus. Um, okay. A couple more things and then we'll get you out of here. You guys, the Oscars this year is coming up next Sunday, April 25th, which is my birthday. If anybody wants to send me any products, any kind of makeup or any kind of influencer stuff, please get it here by next Sunday. Um, but the Oscars this season, 
I really don't give a shit. And I feel so bad. I used to love the Oscars so much. And there's not like the movies are horrible. It's just, a, it's not even, it's just, there's no excitement behind it. Oh my God. I used to be so obsessed with the Oscars. The Oscars were like the one, the one award show that I like really cared about. And I just don't care. And I think that this is like the first year in probably my entire like existence that I've been watching the Oscars that I haven't seen a single one of the movies in the best picture category. I heard Nomadland is amazing and I need to watch it. It's all Hulu. It's all Netflix. You yeah, can exactly. It's like, it just makes it so much less like prestigious feeling, I guess, because there are so many, yeah, it's probably, you know, it, it probably is COVID because like, you know, going to the movie theaters to see like a prestigious, like Oscar worthy movie was like something that you had to do. You had to physically go to the theaters to see it. Now it's not like, oh, it's on Hulu. There are like a million other things to watch. Like, why would I watch this like boring, sad movie right now when I can just watch? It's like, it just isn't something. It's not a production. Like well, after this year, after the, well, and that kind of ties in with this other story is that Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla or whatever, which is on right. HBO Max. Yeah. But it's also in the movie theaters and it smashed worldwide box office figures of people in actual seats where it has now made $390 million worldwide. That is a lot of money, folks, but we are dealing with an industry where this could have potentially been a billion dollar film at this point uh, in pre-pandemic time. So it's really exciting to have a blockbuster again. I I have not watched it even on HBO Max and I have not gone to a movie theater yet, but I just like the Oscars. It ties in with, man, I hope the movies don't go away in terms of the movie experience even complaining about going there and having kids talk over the movie is part of the movie experience. I love the movie. I love going to the movies. It's like my favorite thing to do. I love, I just love it. I love everything about it. I get cookie dough bites every single time, cookie dough bites and gummy bears if they're available. So I got super excited for just the whole experience, but the um, popcorn with the white cheddar seasoning on it is just, yeah, I'm not a huge popcorn person, but I love the vibes of like, you know, if I need a little salty, I'll reach into whoever I'm with. But yeah, I love I love the smell. Prince like, Philip I, is like, why do you keep reaching in my bag? I'm an <laughs> old man. <laughs> He's like, get your own next time. <laughs> he doesn't have a British accent in this family. <laughs> yeah, anyway. he's, he's Southern, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a Southern old man. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, the Godzilla versus Kong thing to me, and I any sort of CGI ape movie, I go ape shit for. I love Planet of the Apes. I love like Godzilla versus Kong is like the one HBO. Like I got my, you know, I I figured out the login just so I could watch it. Really? Um, yes, You've love- seen Godzilla versus Kong? Yes. And you loved it. Yes, I love CGI. If you go to my Twitter, I've been tweeting about my love for like CGI ape movies for a really long time. I just ah, love them. And this is like kind of what I'm part. known for, Ryan. This is like yeah, kind it's of like the kind of my thing. But <laughs> should I put it in my bio? By the way, later on, you are going to see a tweet from Sophie of like, you know who's looking great this year? <laughs> Kong? Is that weird? Wait, hear me out. <laughs> Caesar <laughs> from Planet of the Apes. One time I actually did, after I saw one of the, I was like, Caesar from Planet of the Apes, like, Big dick energy wasn't like that's a Caesar's got big D- BDE, man. But he like did that. I Caesar like actually- had bigger BDE than James Franco in the original, you know? Like he did. Um Caesar is home. But anyway, it makes sense for the <laughs> it makes sense for Godzilla versus Kong because that's like an action movie that you want to like for these like kind of like dramas and even you know the rom-coms or whatever it is, like you do not need to see those in theaters. So it really is like 
it's all going to be streaming services moving forward. They're going to have to figure out the movies that get people in theaters, which probably are going to be like those, you know, big buck, like CGI action movies. Like otherwise, like no one's going to go to the theaters. Well, I mean, that's why I wanted to point out the Oscars were there. I'm going to watch it begrudgingly and I'm not really expecting a lot. So I might end up loving it like I did the Grammys this year, but it's not like, what, what are you going to do? Like a, a live reading of Minari? Like Minari is a great movie, but no point of me is like, fuck, I want to see that get awarded. Like, fuck, you know, like there's no, the highest ratings the Oscar ever got, I believe uh, one of the year, one of the highest was the year Titanic got nominated. And it was the same year, same year that Goodwill Hunting was nominated. So you had the biggest blockbuster movie of all times in terms of box office. Then you had this magical story of Matt and Ben that they pushed on the American people. Harvey Weinstein paid for that campaign. And that's why they have careers to this day. I mean, they're amazing. They're good looking, all that stuff. But Harvey paid tens of millions of dollars to put them on the map with this kind of Lawrence just saying, even though I think they're all talented. It's like, yeah, but I'm saying like you, you it's like, you know, getting that word out there is that Harvey's the Miramax money created them, but that was the highest ratings because there was the biggest blockbuster you wanted to see. Everybody had seen Titanic that year. Everybody wanted to see it get awarded. And you had this magical story of these two best friends from Boston and you were invested in the stories. It's like, I don't care about sports, but when they put a reality show, like there's a show called hard knocks on HBO. That oh, I I'll love watch, that show. I'll watch every season. And I'm like, this makes me care about sports. The get Bengals. You probably watched the Bengals season, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, I love that show. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and to be fair, you know, that was also before um, streaming services. So to go to the movie theaters and to see all of these movies and get super invested in them was like really the only way. Um, yeah, I just, so, I, just yeah. I, I just want it to come back so well. And I hope Same. You know, this is what scares me, like when Napster happened and stuff. And it, Napster kind of was like the pandemic of the music industry and mu- the music industry, people behind the music industry weren't smart enough to realize what was happening. So they lost the physical sales right there in that moment where Napster was actually kind of busting out and they lost so much money. And that's what I hope with the movie industry is that there's smart people behind it that are actually thinking of like, Yo, we could lose this entirely. That HBO Max deal, you guys, where they release eight movies day and date at the same time they do in theaters is a very dangerous deal. Like it works for us because we get to stay home during a pandemic, but it shows everybody that movie theaters are potentially not needed. And you can laugh and you can say, oh, that's not the case. And I'll always love movies, but that's not how industries work. Think about Napster. Think about going home with your CD collection and you prized it so much. Where is your CD collection now? Well, yeah, that's why like the studios need to figure out like what will actually physically get people in movie theaters. Because I don't think, you know, like movie theaters will ever be fully extinct like I think you know obviously they're becoming so much less relevant because of you know streaming services but like I think that you know the Godzilla versus Kong stuff like there's nothing like it when you see you know a really cool or a 3D movie experience or whatever it is on the big screen like people like to see that stuff but they're not gonna go to the movie theater to see like a rom-com like on the big screen if they can just watch it on Netflix. Oh yeah. I mean, well, that's, it's not like, I mean, I keep using this unfairly and I really enjoyed the movie actually and thought it was beautiful, but it's not like people are like, I need to see Minari on the big screen. 
I need right. to see Minari on the big screen. Even you know? like Nomadland, like that's the one that's, you know, everyone keeps telling me to watch it and I keep getting advertisements for it on Hulu. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll watch it eventually. But like, again, that's not the type of movie that like, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I need, need to go see. Oh my God, I can't even think of the actress's name who's in it, who's so good. Oh, uh, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand. 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 <laughs> but anyway, love her. But yeah, it's like, eh, do I need to go to the movie theater to like see her in this movie? No. Two last, uh, well, we will, we can do one of these two, whichever one you want. Do you want to talk about Bethany Frankel doing stand-up, or do you want to talk about Chet Hanks's music video for White Boy Summer, his new song? Oh my God. Okay, wait. So I didn't watch the Chet Hanks video, but like, I, I still have a lot of like just general thoughts about it. Well. So Chet Hanks, it's fascinating. Well, it's not fascinating. So he, you know, did a video. It said, you know, it's white boy summer. I feel it. It's it's in me, you know, and it, it really went viral. For, and a lot of people just loved it, got a kick was, out of it. Wait, wait, when he was like, white boy summer, like, you know, not the NASCAR, like Trump, white boy. Yeah, he's so like. Me, like Jack Harlow, John B. Um, yeah, just you know, I feel it. Let me know if you can vibe with that. <laughs> and he's like shirtless, you know, and Chet Hanks, by the way, had a tough uh, quarantine. Like all of us, he had put on like 30 pounds. He'd said, so he has been training for white boy summer. And so this all happened and you know, it, it was kind of like a, a laugh and it was funny. Unfortunately, you know, TMZ, not unfortunately, unfortunately he, he actually got violent with an ex-girlfriend and it was like videotaped and TMZ reported it. And like, he had threatened this girl. So it was like, all of a sudden he's saying to worship black Queens and all of this stuff Yet his black queen that he used to date. He got violent with, uh, you know, called her a bunch of names, typical male bullshit. But then I, I went ahead. My friend uh, made me watch the 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 video, and it's like literally him like bongoing on like big butts in Venice Beach area, and the song isn't memorable in any sort of way. But my main thought was also like, is Tom Hanks paying for this? Like, does he pay for the White Boy Summer music video, or is this out of Chet Hanks's pocketbook? Because I'm just like, man, the Forrest Gump money going towards because. I know we keep saying like, oh, you know, we know all we all know it's Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson's son. But I want to really just sit with it as we close out the podcast is that it really is their son. And I don't know how it's their son. Like, I don't the fact that they sit down for holidays together, like does Tom Hanks is supposedly done everything right. And then this is the one like this shows you that God gives us all uh, struggles in our life. And this is Tom Hanks's struggle. Like, and then I was wondering, could Tom Hanks, he's such an amazing actor. Could Tom Hanks play Chet Hanks? <laughs> like, could Tom Hanks do the Chet Hanks accent? Because Tom, Chet Hanks, you guys grew up in Pacific Palisades, which is a very wealthy uh, suburb of uh, Los Angeles where like Steven Spielberg lives, all of these, you know, amazing, rich uh, entertainment people live. He grew up on the hard streets of the Palisades, but not the hard streets of Compton. Oh, my God. That reminds me of just one of my favorite movies. What? Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> Oh, gee, you, are you my friend Annabelle who's on this all the time loves Malibu most wanted as well and I was like no way oh my god me and my cousin used to watch it we were obsessed with it 
Oh my God. What was the line? He's down. He's down with the bitches and hoes. But anyway, it's like the same thing where he grew up in Malibu. I like Sophie was like, what's the line? Like I was going to know the line to Malibu's most wanted. Like I know the name of Malibu's most wanted. <laughs> no, that's a classic movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> fuck, fuck Jamie Kennedy just in general, but like great movie. Highlight yeah. of his career. Oscars sure. really snubbed Malibu's most wanted speaking of. They did. I mean, I don't, what year was that? I wonder what, who. I bet it was, it sounds, it sounds it like a 1998 movie. No, it was 2003. Okay. It was 2003 Oscar best picture. I just, I'm just, <laughs> just for me, just for me. Oh, but, Chicago, I mean, Chicago. Okay, I can, I can get. Oh, you love that. Chicago. You yes. thought that was, yeah. Um, what is your movie. thoughts on Chet Hanks? I mean, what is and what and what and should we be having? I, I mean, I I liked his initial idea about White Boy Summer because I didn't like it in the sense of like white power or anything like that. I just thought it was like, oh, good for Chet. He's doing something, and he he was giving it up to black queens. He was giving it up to white queens. He was giving it up to women. I thought, and I was like, well, that's. I like the aspect if there is, if there has to be a white boy summer that you're like getting like you're, you're praising women, but then it got to the point where well, I shouldn't even be laughing that he actually abused one of his girlfriends. And then it's like, it cancels white boy summer completely for me. Yeah. We have to just stop with like the, like, you know, it's fun to make fun of people and like, I Thank think you, that yes. it started out in, it started out, I think, with people just making fun of him, but then he, like, you know, became, started capitalizing on it and, like, selling merch and, like, the merch was really scary looking and looked like something that, like, the Proud Boys would wear. It was, like, in the weird Nazi font. Yeah. So, like, it was, like, yeah, it's, it's like, it reminds me of the Cash Me Outside girl also where it's, like, we take these horrible, you know, people and we turn them into a meme, but then they get to own that being a meme and then they make so much money off of it. And then, and then I wonder, you know, for these people that that feel this all this attention, like Chet Hanks, what that does to somebody's mind, and does it screw with him? Of like, do they like me or do they like my dad? And like, do they really get White Boy Summer? And like, what he thinks of, like, does he think this is a stepping stone to something? And then the other thing, he came out because. Nomi Fry from the New Yorker wrote a great article on the Chet Hanks craze. And Nomi's been on the podcast a couple, a month and a half ago. And I I love her. So I respect her so much. And Chet Hanks called out Nomi Fry and the New Yorker in an Instagram post and even put her fucking picture and said, you're going to let people like this determine the culture. And I thought it was like, whoa, I was like, Nomi Fry is all of a sudden in a beef with Chet Hanks. See, like that is never okay. No, it's not. Like she, he literally tagged her. He tagged the New Yorker. Well, because the cover photo isn't of Nomi, but five slides in, there's a photo of Nomi. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime a celebrity goes after a writer just for like criticizing them, you. I mean, obviously, it should go without saying that that really grinds my gears. Like Michael Che has a history of getting into beef with like anyone who says anything negative about him. It's like, you know that you are the person in kind of like a position of power. Chet Hanks, you are from one of the most famous families in Hollywood. Like, don't you have enough money to last you a lifetime? Like, why do you give a shit? Like what, you know, a New Yorker writer is saying about you. Just go be rich, do your white boy summer thing. Just, I just can't. But like, I, just, I mean, I, I am a huge, like you guys, if you listen, you know, I'm a huge Tom Hanks fan, uh, you know, barring all the QAnon bullshit. It was like, I really respect him as an actor and as a humanitarian, like he's done so much. And I just always think I'm like, how does he, does he ever sit his son down and go, 
yo, my man, this shit ain't cool. Like, let me speak in the words you can understand. Like, I just, Tom Hanks seems like he gets it. If you watch him on talk shows, he has a very good sense of humor. What mm-hmm. the fuck does he, I mean, does him and Rita sit around and go, we've obviously failed somewhere. I took too many movies in the 90s and now our boy is Chet Hanks, you know? I mean, there's only so much, how old is Chet Hanks? Cause like, there's only so much you can do when, you know, these celebrity kids grow up. He's 30. Chet Hanks is 30 years old. So it's like, what, what are Tom and Rita going to do? You know, it's like, I feel like at this point it's like, I don't know. I, it it is funny to think about as you know, Tom Hanks does from everything I've seen has like a great sense of humor, seems like a normal, great guy. But that's what I'm saying. I think he gets Hanks. it. So he gets that Chet Hanks is a fucking kind of loser right. dork, you know? Right. It makes no sense. It's so confusing. And then the brother, Colin, is like normal. He actually is in a season of Dexter, which I love. Like I've met Colin show. a couple of times through uh, like uh, UCB comedy and stuff like this. And he's a really super nice guy. And he's actually not Rita's son. He's from Tom Hanks's first marriage. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. But like, he's a really nice guy and very different. But I always... Like when I need a chuckle, I always think about like Christmas at the Hanks's, like in like Chet opening gifts because you know they get like probably big gifts and it's like oh fuck you know like like my paintball gun I wanted you know like just really weird jocular things. And then Colin Hanks is like, oh, this is a wonderful teapot. Yeah, exactly. Like definitely, you know. But like, you know, I just like imagine Chet like getting high and then like big is on TV and he's like, fuck you, dad. Fuck you. <laughs> um, Sophie, we've done it again. Uh, I could go on for hours more, but we have to let these people go on to uh, get their week started. Um, Sophie, how do we support you? As always, we can follow you on Twitter and Instagram. Are do you, any new articles coming up? Like any, anything ah! that we can be aware of? Um, basically I do have some exciting stuff coming up. Just follow me and you'll see there. Wow, so secretive. That's like the Stanley Kubrick of the internet. Um, uh, and and everything's working with your place. You're you're moved. I saw you're doing home uh DIYs this weekend. You painted a bookshelf. Yes. Oh my god, I'm so girl boss. Hashtag girl boss. Next, it's gonna be hanging a TV in seven minutes. Oh my god, if you could beat. By the way, that's the only that you could turn Sheena potentially gay if you were able to hang a TV in six and a half minutes. Can you imagine? She'd be so into that. What was that guy's name? Rob, right? Rob. Rob. Rob Valletta. Rob Valletta. Rob Valletta, who was in Lifetime movies that I watch all the time. He's just like there as like, I'm like, that is Rob Valletta. Um, He's not a token Madeira like he was in the show. But um, <laughs> Sheena, by the way, if you guys, if you want like a little chuckle too, go to Sheena's like social media. She is desperate to have this baby. And she's like, because I feel like she feels like all the good baby attention is being given away to Lala and Jax right now. And she wants in on that. She goes, oh my God. She goes, can you imagine that in a week I'm going to be a mother or some tweet like that? And I'm like, you can tell she is raring to go. She wants that baby out to start. And by the way, for Sheena, I I will not be annoyed like I am with Jax. I'll be like, cause it'll be very Sheena, you know? Exactly. It's like, we all knew that this was something that Sheena has always wanted. It's like for Jax, yes. it's like, Jax, you're for Jax. It's a career for Jax. Okay. It's a, like a, something to save a career potentially, or, right. you know, it's like, we know that Sheena was always going to be a mom and she always wanted to be a mom. And it's special. And especially knowing, you know, the issues that she had with, you know, her marriage and like, 
fertility issues and, you know, worrying about getting called middle-aged by Brett last season. Like, you know, it's exciting for her. Yeah. But, but being called middle-aged by, and then you bought this fucker an Apple watch. Like that's insane. No, that was Max. Get it right. Oh, sorry. 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 Max. But that is insane. <laughs> that is insane that Sheena bought Max an Apple watch. Yeah. Both are. Yeah. Both are insane. Her getting called middle-aged and her buying an Apple watch for Max. So you guys uh, follow Sophie. She all her secret projects that she can't tell us about will be <laughs> on those, and we will find out soon enough. And I will talk to you next week, Soph. Yeah, see you next week. <laughs> see, did you see so you next was week? <laughs> was that weird? Was that <laughs> yeah. a weird thing to say? Why is that weird? You just made it weird. Betches.